Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Silva and Gold. Coming to the ring from parts unknown at a combined weight of 853 pounds, Piccolo and Dr. Zong. Welcome, welcome, one and all, to Silver and Gold, episode 50. I am the loaf. He is the Zalm. He is. And we are here in your ear holes once again, whether you like it or not, forcing our way into your feeble little minds, tainting you from the inside out. This week we're doing a Born of Glam double feature with a, uh, a review of 1998's Velvet Goldmine and 2007's music biopic Control. We have a very musical episode for you for episode 5-0. Zom, how are you, sir? Uh, what? How are you, sir? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, everything's great. It's I uh, just woke up, so it's a little bit um, a little grumpy. cloudy. It's cloudy in the brain. It's cloudy in the balls. Uh, still spewing out some um, pretty good um, stuff and dreaming about things and stuff. I uh, ate some things. I had pizza, cold pizza, and coffee for breakfast. Cold pizza and coffee. Cold pizza and coffee. Yeah, Charles Bronson rules. Ooh, <laughs> I want to cry. <laughs> I just feel I feel sad today. Oh. I don't know why it's episode 50. <laughs> we watched a good one for you then. <laughs> Fucking sad. 50 weeks of our lives have been spent... Uh, let's see, four <laughs> hours, 50 times, <laughs> sitting in front of this Oh, computer. God. My waistline was probably uh, two sizes smaller when we started doing this show. We're both a size 50 now. Size 50 now. Um, pretty good week for me, I guess. Nothing Ammo. special, but uh, we have tax-free holiday in North Carolina this weekend. And uh, somehow I avoided it completely at Apple, so uh, yay to that. I will, yeah. I will rub one off in commemoration of not having to be there in that annoying crowd. Apple. Um. Yeah. Scarfing so. down some Chick Fil A and <laughs> hating on the gays. Uh, what? Uh, All right. So uh, I guess we'll get into what we've been watching this week. Uh, oh, yeah. Let me get my. Uh, I'm on my last page of this notebook. It's very. Um, I, I wrote on the back of a page. We gotta get you. Why don't you get on Misa or something, dude? You don't. Why don't you 
fucking get off my back, you fucking motherfucker. You don't have to get on me. So you don't have to fucking write anything down. You just hop on, type He's it in. So you're done. Horny. Even got an app on the iPad to check in. Oh my god! Why don't we just start another group? <laughs> Wait. Here we go. I just want to say right now, Casey. Today is the birthday of the cinemasochist Justin Oberholzer. Yay! Yay! Happy birthday! Happy twenty-first. My clapping just really excited the dog. He went bolting out of the room. Now he's running yeah. back. <laughs> he is. He is now doing laps in the hallway. Crazy mutt. <laughs> and it's also the birthday of the lightning bug, Zach. What? Holy shit, he's like 48, right? Yay! <laughs> he's my age. <laughs> All right, so now that we got those out of the way, let's start talking about some movies. Yay! <laughs> We're so stupid. Um, it didn't seem like I watched very much this week. Yeah, and right. I'm thinking, well, no, I'm thinking that maybe I... Uh, Maybe I watched like 23, 24. Uh, no, no, no. It's very short. So I'm going to stretch it out. <laughs> <laughs> That's what she said. Woo! Yay! Uh, let me tell you something, people. You want to uh, just want to just fucking have something tear your fucking heart out. Get on pet or. Uh, oh, God. Is, blind, it, the, is it the, the blind, blind kittens? Blind cats. Oh, oh my fuck. Jesus Christ. <gasps> Yay! Yeah. <laughs> Yay, blind kitties! Hey, They're so helpless, they just run into things. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I watched a... This doesn't seem right. Wait a minute. <laughs> Let me just scroll back here for one second. I even made the list and I thought it didn't seem right. But I think it is. I just think I just think that um, I slept a lot or something. It happens. Yay! Yeah. Hey, uh, depression. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's got to be what it is. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. What do you mean depression? I'm not depressed. You're depressed. So? <laughs> I don't even have the chance to sleep it off. Oh, God. That's all I want to do is sleep. I hate <laughs> life. Life is just fucking just... It's a big... Uh, it's a gift. It's like... Uh, what do you call that gift? Um, uh, that Elaine gave the little kid when he became a man. <laughs> what? Oh, shit. Boggle. Anyway, okay. uh, I watched Lions for Lambs with Robert Redford, Tom Cruise, and either Meryl Streep or uh, Glenn Close, whichever one it was. I think it was it was Meryl Streep. But um, this is a it's pretty pretty good movie. It's you know it just kind of. Uh, it's got good acting in it, but it's not quite, um, I think it's got a good message, but it's, uh, I don't know. It was, it's, it's, I, I, I don't know if it's a little dull or what, but it, it's not, you know, Tom Cruise is really good because he plays this asshole, uh, uh, Republican Senator who pretty much is, uh, Involved in the uh, whatever Iraq War stuff, and he's just a real jerk. And he does he uh, asks questions like, "Don't you? Yes or no? Do you want to win the war war on terror? You know." So it's like, "Go fuck." <laughs> Somebody asked a question like that, an unanswerable question at work the other. I wish I could remember what it was. It was hilarious. It was you know like, "Don't you want to get rid of evil?" <laughs> yes. <or no? laughs> yeah. 
That's when you pull out a pistol and shoot the guy and say yes. (laughs) 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 Answered your question, you fucking retard. Um, (laughs) Anyway, the next thing I watched was a little movie with a guy named Charles Bronson. Yes, and Turkey. This movie was called Breakout. And my mom and dad took us when we were children to in the in the station wagon to the drive-in, and we watched Charles Bronson in Breakout. <laughs> um, was it a double? You remember what it was? What it was? It was a double feature, but I don't remember because I was just a kid. Yeah, but I do remember <laughs> that um, they were laughing at the use of uh, at Bronson and them laughing about um, some stuff that was adult. <laughs> uh, now it's got Bronson. It's got a very, very young, uh, like almost last detail, young Randy Quaid, Robert Duval, uh, who was wearing a toupee, uh, which doesn't look really oh. bad. But the thing is, you know that it has to be a toupee because he was super young in True Grit and the Great Northfield Raid, and he was fucking bald even then. That dude must have gone bald when he was like 20. He did. He had to have. And it, it goes all the way back to the back of his neck. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a fucking, like, hawk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, hawk and, uh, stripe right down the middle. also stars um, this fucking red-smoking, hot, long-legged Cherie North. Fuck a duck. Okay, I looked up pictures of her because I've seen her and stuff before. She was in uh, Charlie Varick. Uh, she was the girl that um, did the uh, – she was the forger. And uh, but my God, she she must have been a um, like a uh, a dancer, like almost like a not a rockette, but something like that. Because you look up in Breakout, she was I don't know in her maybe mid forties, maybe close to fifty or something like that, and she was hot. But then you go to uh, uh, Google Image and find these Time magazines with her on the cover from like the fifties. Or no, and you know what she did? She she uh, entertained the troops. She was a USO like dancer and entertained the troops in World War Two. Fuck, she's hot in this movie. Fuck, and uh, <laughs> and uh, of course uh, Charles Bronson's wife Jill Ireland is in it. And Bronson's at his best in this one. We we need to review it sometime. They break him out, break stuff out. We could do um, that definitely. Breakout Electric Boogaloo. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> the next thing I watched was Michael Fassbender's Cock in Shame. <laughs> And you know what I've noticed about this, other than it's just a fucking awesome movie, it's on our um, in-demand on Comcast, so you can watch it for, I don't know how much I you know, rented it for or whatever, but it's very good. The incestuous stuff, uh, undertones, are they just get stronger and stronger as you watch it. Yeah. Um, Had you seen that one a, yet? Yeah, okay. and he has like a... Um, I'd never noticed until now because you know I was I was of course now watching for his dick, and um, he has a um, massive pu- pubis hair, uh, <laughs> and that is makes it even more impressive that his dick is so big because you know usually <laughs> it makes your dick look bigger if you trim or shave your pubic hair, but he has like a a, a, a lot of pubic hair. Um, <laughs> And his whole body, that's what gets me, though. It's like his whole body is shaved, but then he's got this thatch. Hmm. But maybe, he that, looks, maybe that was a stylistic choice by the director. Yeah, maybe. You know. Um, Draw emphasis to the area. 
Uh, you're a burden. You're a burden on me. What do you want from me? You're a burden. <laughs> I, I like uh, when the girl asks him where he's from. Of course, he has to say, you know, he was born in Ireland, but then this family moved over here to explain why he talks the way he talks and Carrie Mulligan. <laughs> That's the, the Jean Claude uh, storyline element. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was born in Brussels, but my parents moved here. Um, you're a burden. You're a burden on me, love. You're a burden. Anyway, uh, next thing I watched was Shutter's Island. Uh, again, um, some friends were watching it. Uh, this movie, I'm telling you what, there were some scenes in this um, where is it Michelle Williams, right? Uh, between Michelle Williams and Leonardo DiCaprio that just fucking wrenched my heart. Fuck. And uh, everybody in this is good. Every time I watch it, I think I like it more. Move on. The <laughs> next thing I watched was Anastasia with uh, Ingrid Bergman and Yul Brenner, who will come up later in the show. Teaser. Teaser. Tease my balls. Um, this was good. It's an old favorite of mine. Um, I Another one. Every time I watch it, I like it. Uh, I watched The Truth About Cats and Dogs <laughs> with uh, Janine Garofalo and Uma Thurman. And, uh, you know, it's not bad for a um, chickus flickus. Uh, Janine looked pretty good back then. She was really cute and... Uh, Uma was really tall, and she was pretty hot. Uh, Let me talk. (laughs) Next thing I watched was a movie called... (laughs) We just watched uh, the listener. I don't give a fuck. I don't care. I don't care. That was what I ate this morning at 7.30. And then as soon as I ate and was nice and full, I went straight to sleep. <laughs> Always good for you. Yeah, I'm, I'm wondering why I'm sitting here with my notebook resting on my stomach. Um, my shelf. Um, I watched The Sergeant with Rod Steiger and John Philip Law. And um, this is really good. I have said this before because I watched it a long time ago for the first time. Uh, not what you think. And uh, when you watch it, you'll be like, <laughs> because when you see the poster and everything, you're going to think, ah, what's this, like some kind of military, some war movie or something? Uh, no. And John Philip Law is like, stay away from me, Sergeant, because he's kind of got stuff up his nose, but he's very wooden. But he's a good-looking guy, <laughs> man. If you were good-looking like that, you know, but um, uh, I can see why he got roles, but, man, he's wooden. Wood. <laughs> uh the next thing I watched, and that is available on iTunes for rent. Uh, next thing I watched, uh, also iTunes, um, The Sicilian Clan with Alain, Alain Delon. Alain Delon. Alain Delon. And this was, you know what, one thing I realized with a lot of these older movies, if you rent movies that are like from the 50s and 60s, you're down for two hours almost all the time. <laughs> Every fucking movie is... Like I guess because maybe they did them that way, and then when they would sell them for TV, but you would think that you know with the commercials and stuff, but then they cut stuff out. But I mean, still, it's like two hours. Every one of them, two hours, two hours, two hours. Uh, the Sicilian Clan is really good, um, and um, it's a kind of a heist movie. Mm-hmm. 
Was that what's that? What what? I what's thought that? I heard the, the Skype go bloop. Oh no, I, that was just me going. Mm-hmm. Oh okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's pretty good, and um, yeah, I liked it. Uh, watch this movie because it's good. So what I'm trying to say is, it was <laughs> the next thing I watched was on Netflix. Has to watch. It's called The Restaurant with Adrian Brody. Yay! In his nose. Woo! Um, and it's got uh, also uh, that one guy from The Mentalist who I cannot remember what his name is with the blonde hair that's fucking really good looking. Um, uh, the I've not seen the Mentalist. Oh, son of a bitch! I have to do. Uh, I'll everything. look it up. Keep talking. I'll look it up. Uh, and then there was this girl from Nan. Or there was a guy from Nantucket. His dick Simon was so long. Baker. Yes, he stepped with a grin as he wiped off his chin. If my ear was a cunt, I could fuck it. If I was Simon, if I was Simon Baker, I would fuck it. Simon Baker's in this, and um, all the girls from. What's that podcast that never records anymore? Girls on film. Yay! They love Adrian Brody. <laughs> and I imagine that is because he can give every woman the best of both worlds. Um, he can do one thing and still give them some six inches of something. He, he is a one-man double penetration with that nose. In, in the 69, my humpty nose will tickle your rear. Oh, it wouldn't tickle it. <laughs> it would be like a gaping lots of things. That's a no, That's a schnoz. But it's a, it's a pretty good movie. It's not great, but it's pretty good. And he's very young in this. So it's one that uh, kind of slipped through the cracks. Uh, next thing I watched was a movie called Scarface. Um, Tony Montana, man. You know, my. I guess when you're from Cuba, all you have to do is say my all the time, which I guess yeah, Scott Hall figured out too. <laughs> and, um, you know, Mel, you're not the god, Mel, my. Uh, this is a fucking funny movie to watch. It's still good. I mean, it's very. I think it's good. I'm not, I'm not but, a big fan of that one. Well, it's one of these ones that I've seen so many goddamn times that it's kind of uh, the only reason to watch it is to kind of laugh. Um, Michelle Pfeiffer, I noticed on the one poster that I posted, she's wearing the gown that she wore when they went to the, the disco, man, and he's trying to pick her up in the club. And shit. <laughs> you, you, you're doing a great Scott Hall. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it sounds but just it, like him. On the poster, she's got like cleavage and stuff and round boobs but <laughs> in reality she's just about almost flat chested uh, she, she did kind of look uh i mean i know she was supposed to be doing a lot of coke so it uh she pulled that off because she looks like a really skinny coke whore uh as i uh i thought that well no i'm not even gonna say it. it's just a hair curled up into my nostril from my mustache uh Next thing I watched was a movie. It was a documentary, three-part documentary from the from the BBC called "The Moors Murders," and this is uh, about uh, a very famous uh, murder case in uh, England. Um, this uh, it was kind of like one of those perfect storm deals where a uh, kind of a weirdo, crazy guy meets a girl, almost like a natural born killers thing, and. Um, it's fucking heartbreaking, hmm. gut wrenching, because they are talking. These murders took place in like 1963 to 1965, I think, 
and they're interviewing these people and say this documentary was made in the 90s. I mean, it's 30 some 30 plus years later and they're interviewing the mothers of these kids and they're old women now whereas at the time, you know, they were probably maybe in their 20s, maybe maybe just 30 and their kids were killed and watching them uh, be interviewed and their talent they can still remember in detail everything about the last time that they saw them like the one girl was going to a dance and her mom was like uh, I um, told her to do this told her to do that I helped her you know put on her dress and her hair and all this stuff and they can remember everything and it is fucking I literally had my hand up to my face because I was just like it just and some of the stuff they were talking about because these assholes abducted this one girl was only I think ten years old and um, it was a man and a woman and they worked like as a team and they abducted this uh, I think they ended up it ended up being like six kids wow. uh, but one of them was ten years old and they the guy took pictures of the girl uh, and they took a tape recorder and tape recorded. So they had the cops had this tape, and this mother had to sit there and listen to her daughter being basically raped and tortured uh, to say, "Okay, yes, this is her voice," and everything. And it was—I mean, honest to God, it was just the uh, well, very good documentary. But boy, it just break ripped your heart out. Uh, the next thing I watched was uh, Rock Hudson in the Hornet's Nest, and. Um, I had heard, seen, kind of seen something about this, but I never watched it because um, I thought it was going to be lighthearted and silly. Mm-hmm. Uh, it takes place during World War II, and he's a commando, and then he has these like Italian kids uh, help him. He's sent in to blow up a bridge with his bunch of other commandos, and they all get killed while these kids rescue him before the Nazis can get to him because he gets the, you know, knocked out and then they help him complete his mission. But it is anything but lighthearted. Jesus Christ, man, this is a rough fucking movie. (laughs) And, um, it's got some major league fucking action in it. I mean, there is, some uh, pretty brutal killings and, uh, lots and lots of explosions and shit like that. And rock has a rockin' mustache with its uh, curled up on the ends uh, throughout the whole movie. And um, <laughs> I recommend this one. I, I was surprised. Um, after uh, I watched Ice Station Zebra last week and The Hornet's Nest this week, uh, The Rock as an action star was pretty good. He's pretty mm-hmm. good, man. And um, got a little... Uh, Got a little rape in him, too. Uh-oh. <laughs> He's the hero. <laughs> so anyway, that's about it. That's all I have. I Like I said, I mean, it didn't seem like there was that much shite this week. I started, um, I started a couple movies and didn't get to them, so hopefully I'll get them to them next week. But um, the ones I did finish this week, <clears throat> um, this past Saturday... Uh, I felt like watching a Shelley Winters movie because after we did Poseidon Adventure last week and I watched Bloody Mama. Um, I feel like we've talked about Ma Barker before. Um, yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if she was a real person or not. but Yeah, yeah. Ma Barker and her gang. Yeah, her family, her sons. Says but, um, stuff 
there, I think, too. This is a Roger Corman movie. Um, obviously, kind of a play on on uh, oh shit, <laughs> Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah. Um, it was okay. I mean, Shelley Winters. I wish she was in. In like, I wish her character was a little bit different. Like, I wish kind of like it was mostly her sons. Like, uh, and it's a really fucking young uh, uh, Robert De Niro. Um, Bruce Dern is in it looking pretty young, but, um, I don't know. Like it was mostly her sons doing the, <laughs> doing the, the gun shit. So, well, that didn't pick up, did it? No, I guess not. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> it picked up in your nose and, and then, uh, what? nothing. Um, Netflix recommended Big Bad Mama right afterwards, which is a total like spinoff of this again. This time with Angie Dickinson and William Shatner and Tom Skirt. Um, <laughs> Skirt. And uh, oh, and Robbie Lee. We've we you know we talked about her and Switchblade Sisters, and she shows her titties in this. And Angie Dickinson does full frontal. A couple Fuck, times. was she hot or what? Good lord! God, she was built. She <laughs> uh, she's uh, her and Raquel Welch. They compete. Huh. I wonder how old she was during this movie because she wasn't like a young ch- – okay, like in Point Break with Lee Marvin, she showed her boobs just for a few seconds when she's walking down the stairs. But she, she was, was young in that one. In this one, she's not – She's a little she, over 40. She's like 42, yeah. 43. Oh, my God. What a oh. – mm-hmm. Shatner, Shatner got to lick all over that. Oh, Shat. Shat. He didn't look like himself. He looked funny. Like uh, you know, he it was post Star Trek, but pre pretty much anything else. He was sleazy. Yeah, <laughs> sleazy Shatner. Um, this was okay too. I mean, not great, but it was kind of cool seeing all the nudity. So, um, I watched uh, um, after I watched um, Control for this week. Um, I went back and re- and visited Strosek, the uh, Werner Herzog movie yeah. that that Ian Curtis watched the night before he hung himself and spoiler alert and uh what <laughs> um and i it's funny i didn't i didn't he killed himself <laughs> well yeah hilarious i didn't know uh, <laughs> i didn't never know how they knew he watched that because i've seen control a couple times and he watches it obviously the night before and then they find him the next day i'm like how the fuck yeah. did they know that he because it's not like he had a vcr i mean it's not like the tape was in there or something I watched also the Joy Division documentary that Grant Gee or Grant G did uh, in 2007, right around the time that Control was released. He released this documentary, and that's really pretty much all he's ever done is kind of music documentaries. Um, this one I've seen before. Uh, this is really good as far as I, and I've, I think I've talked about it on the show before having a weird thing with music documentaries because inevitably they were going to have the the fuck the the band like hate each other and it fucking like ruins it but the, i like i really like the way this one's done um they i mean obviously the band does can't really hate each other fully because one of them's not there anymore but their other guys still still make music so and they don't touch on new order much at all so but um this is really good and in this they um they 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 interview Anik his his mistress and um, he he had talked to her on the phone and said he was watching that. Uh, um, but I so, saw a thing. Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I was go just going to comment on somebody. You know, watching. Uh, you know, he watched that and it's famous because he watched it when he killed himself. I was uh, <laughs> reading about Ice Station Zebra, the Rock Hudson movie, and they said 
that Howard Hughes, when he was in his crazy mode, mm-hmm. and they may have kind of showed this for a little bit in the movie with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. He watched Ice Station Zebra 150 times in a row. <laughs> Jesus. On an endless loop. Uh, 150 times in this motherfucker is like, uh, like we said, it was two and a half hours long. No wonder you went crazy, you fucking Howard Hughes. <laughs> That'd fucking make me go nuts. Yeah, um, watching The Rock. Uh, Strozik was, um, I forgot I had actually started this at some time and never finished it. Um, this is really fucking good. I had, I had never watched it all the way through, and uh, this is uh, this is a non-Kinski Werner Herzog film. Um, the guy Bruno S. Yeah, um, it was a bit. He was kind of just basically in real life the guy in the movie. Okay, yeah, because from he, what I understand, he he didn't seem like he might have been, been stretching that far to act. No, um, no, he no. he didn't act in a lot of things. Um, oh, he died in 2010. But no, um, sorry, sorry, Strozik, sorry, <laughs> sorry, Bruno S. Bruno S. Uh, but this is awesome. Um. I'll watch this one again at some point. So it's very simplistic and shows <laughs> the nature of the beast and man and the stupidity of a fucking retard. <laughs> the, I didn't mean to say that. The American dream fallacy, that fucking dancing chicken and the fucking I love Dusty Roads, the American dream. Love the scene with the guys on the tractors with the fucking rifles passing each other. The Tower of Power, the man of the hour. Was fucking absurd. You know, they talk about too sweet to be sour. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, scratch and dig my balls. I'm digging them. That was all I watched. Wait a minute, wait a <sighs> Smells yes. good. Onion bag. Um, <laughs> so that was all I watched. It, it's, control inevitably. Jesus. put... You never watch anything. I fucking work it seven days a week, okay? I don't care. This is your fucking job. <laughs> um, that was it. So, and, I, and watching Control always puts me in a Joy Division mood. So I've been listening to Joy Division all week, and uh, and that's when I watched the. I went back and revisited because the last time I watched Control, I also watched the Joy Division documentary too. It's just called Joy Division from two thousand seven, and um, I also watched the first three episodes of uh, Breaking Bad. From this season and still the best show on TV. So, yay! Fucking awesome. Yay! Um, that was it. That's so, where movie watching time is going to fucking television. Ugh. We're gonna start a television pod. We'll start a television group. We might as we might as well. What's it, well, we better start it one one group for each show. That way, that way, if somebody dislikes a show, they don't have to take part and they don't have to be a part of the group. And, and we're not talking about one group for each different TV show. We're talking about one group for each episode of Breaking Bad. <laughs> Just in case somebody has a problem with episode three, you don't have to join the group. It'll be everybody will be happy. Um, let's take a break and come back and, and review Velvet Goldmine. How does that sound, sir? I love it. I love it. We'll be back. Are you tired of film podcasts where the hosts exist in a constant, blissful state of agreement? I mean, the main, the main characters are two of the dullest main characters I have ever encountered in any film. Well, you're in luck. Let me introduce you to Chinstroker and Punter. One is an ex-film student with a penchant for David Lynch and art cinema. The other is a man on the street. Listen in perplexed and horrified terror as we tear apart one film a week. 
just really it's isn't. not visually striking. No, I just just getting confirmation. It's just in English. That's the third time though. I mean, am I, this is on. You can find us at chinstroker versus punter dot com. So come and share the victory. If you could fuck any man in film, who would it be and why? My answer is Lance Henriksen. Oh. You, you wouldn't tell. He looks like somebody. <laughs> he looks like somebody who can keep a secret. Such a gleeful laugh. Baby's on fire. Better throw her in the water. Look at her laughing like a heifer to the slaughter. Baby's on fire. And all the laughing boys are pinching. Waiting for photos. Oh, the plot is so bewitching. Back from break. Experience. I think I'll go and take a shit now. <laughs> My penis is on fire. You, you might want to go to the doctor for that one. I think I have gonorrhea. <laughs> uh, our first film of the day. Is Velvet Goldmine from 1998. Mm, yes. Sir, if you'd like to introduce it here. Alright. A British newspaper reporter, Arthur Stewart, is investigating the career of 1970s glam rock star Brian Slade, who was heavily influenced in his early years by American rock singer Kurt. Wild, whose show was quite crazy for its time. That's so. I mean, okay. Now, people, listen to me when I tell you this. As I scratch my nose, I'm scratching my nose right now. <laughs> um, there are three synopsis on IMDb for Velvet Goldmine, and I think I might have picked the worst one. <laughs> Glamrock explodes all over the world and challenges the seriousness within the flower pattern of the generation of the news. Ryan Slade, the young rock star, inspires numerous teenage boys and nails his explored his own sexuality, and the end Slade destroys himself, unable to escape from the world. When he fans discover the fruit of fate, that was the second one. It was even worse. It was kind of jumbled. It was like muddled. That one, that one was it. It was muddled, yes. Who needs subtitles, okay? I need some subtitles. Let's get down to it, Nat. Uh, Velvet Goldmine uh, from 1998. Um, this is directed by Tom. Uh, sorry, Tom. Jesus Christ, I already fucked up. Todd Tom Jones. Todd it's not unusual for him to direct this movie. Haynes, who also directed I'm Not There. Also a very good musical biopic type movie. Um, Emma. I M O, I am oh, no 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 I M H O I Y O. In your opinion, you don't like that one? Well, I've never seen it. Oh, I'm okay. just saying it was you, you said <laughs> it's very good. good. It's, it's good. good. It's good. Okay. Um, <laughs> the stars: uh, Ian McGregor, <laughs> Jonathan yeah, yeah. Reese Myers, Christian Bale, Tony Collette, and her titties, and Eddie <laughs> Izzard. Um, you know. I'm, 
I, I like Tony Collette. I love that she is a good egg and will show titties. She's got a nice little rack on her. I've got to say. She's a good egg. She's a good egg, that one. I never leave a guy hanging. <laughs> oh, that was funny. Okay. Your turn. You going to lick my... Lick all, lick all, lick all around. Oh, my God. I fucking pissed myself watching that. I'm trying to really tell funny. the fucking people what we're talking about. Okay, it's on the Facebook group. Okay. <laughs> Facebook.com slash group slash Sylvan belly button is like a mouth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what the fuck? Um, so, <laughs> you just snorted. Um I love the way I love the way this movie opens with the sliding credits slow tracking across these crowds of people dressed in their glam costumes waiting uh, presumably presumably to get into a a concert or something. It's it's the nice 70s like flowy brush script or whatever. And it just kind of pans across the screen in front of these crowds of people and some crazy looking, you know, platform shoes. There's platform shoes all over this fucking movie. (laughs) Um. Uh, for those of you not in the know, this is the glam rock of the 70s, popularized by David Bowie and others. Not the glam rock of the 80s, popularized by Whitesnake, <laughs> which yeah. appeared earlier in our – But um, uh, well, uh, you know, just think about it. One of these days, somebody is going to make a movie about Whitesnake. It's going to happen. I would like to see an 80s glam movie. I wonder who's going to play Tawny Katane. <laughs> Yeah, her weighing two hundred and eighty-three pounds and beating up Chuck Finley at a regular rate <laughs> in this corner, Tony <laughs> Katane. Yeah, Tony Katane. <laughs> um, what's the, this movie called? Velvet Underground. Velvet uh, Underground Gold Mine. Velvet Gold Mine. IMDb. So this this film is it's. It's loosely based on the relationship and loose. What's that? Oh, well, I mean, okay. It's not that fucking loose. <laughs> it's not that fucking loose. It's it's based on uh, David Bowie is the is is um I almost said Kurt Wilde. David Bowie is Brian Slade, or sorry, Brian Slade is a is is David Bowie, and to a lesser extent, um, Mark Bolin from T Rex. I think I've read. Um. And then uh, the Kurt Wilde character, who he's obviously Iggy Pop, but apparently he's supposed to be a little bit of Lou Reed also because they had a very, they had a similar kind of relationship um, traveling to Germany. Him and uh, I mean, I'm, I'm talking about Reed and Bowie, you know, doing their thing in Germany with their music in the '70s. And Bowie, they produced some Lou Reed stuff. Um, Lou Reed dabbled in the glam with you know his album Transformer. They and- produced some Lou Reed sperm. They produced Lou Reed sperm. Um, I came all over David Bowie's face. <laughs> uh, the um, this has nah. a very non-linear approach. Um, you get the overall story of the journalist Arthur, who was played by Christian Bale. He's been kind of tapped by this. I guess it's a. I don't know if it's a newspaper. I can't remember what they said. Um, do you remember? I don't remember. I said <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> but 
he's kind of chosen because he remembers what happened. Like he he was there when Brian Slade was quote unquote shot on stage, um, which ended up being a hoax, like a whole <gasps> stage thing. Spoiler alert! And they the, his boss wants him since he was part of the whole glam scene in London ten years prior. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the present day takes place in eighty four, and I love the difference between the two decades that that um that Haynes like kind of creates here you know you have both of them are kind of over the top you have the 70s in England where everybody's running around people are wearing glitter and makeup and and just everybody's fucking excited and then you see uh, present day New York it's fucking out of and it's it's you know not coincidentally I'm sure set in 1984 and uh it's very dirty depressing uh, I graduated from high school then did you know it was going to be like that? Fuck, um, you know, it was so fucking boring. And the, you know, the color, this color scheme that he uses is just very brown and mute and, and then eh, you know, earth tones, earth tones in New York. So, but the, uh, we get, we get after, uh, other than the present day, we get the flashbacks of not only Kurt Wilde meeting Brian Slade, but also Arthur as a youth kind of, you know, figuring out who he is, you know, discovering glam rock, discovering uh, uh, Brian Slade, <laughs> and jerking off to a very unsexy picture of the two. <laughs> but yeah, you know. But um, the I love that scene very early on when Arthur's opening up the record and the, the scene it's almost like masturbation you know I, I just mentioned he was jerking off but he puts a chair under the doorknob and, and he's just been made fun of for buying this he has to borrow money from somebody and he's like what are you a puffer and uh and he buys this brian slade record kind of randomly and he goes home and hides himself in his room so his parents don't see and uh just i, I miss those days of opening up a new album and it just like and jerking a, off and jerking off right over a picture of uh, can you imagine if man. you were in your bedroom laying on the floor and you were jerking off to like a a a, a, a picture on an album of david bowie and your dad walked in <laughs> your dad walked in <laughs> what are you a faggot um he, he, he'd just be like yeah you are a faggot okay oh i thought so that's all, all i wanted to know Thought so all along. Get out of my house, faggot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Go eat some Chick Fil A, Dad. <laughs> the uh, son of a bitch. But it, you know, I love that scene because I, you know, I remember that when you opening up a new, you know, yeah. even a cassette, a new album, whatever. You explore it. You listen to the thing front to back. You fucking you, you read Smell through it. the liner notes. It's awesome. And you know, I miss those days. It's so easy to get music now. It's like you know, you download it and it's like steal it. You might not even fucking listen to it. I'll buy a record now. I fucking it'll sit there for two weeks. I'm looking right now at a li- uh, the new Liars album called it's called W I X I W. Um, it's great. I listened to the CD in my car, but the fucking vinyl is sitting right here in front of me, and I have yet to be listened to. So that's anyway. the way it goes when you become an old man. Yeah, things like that become less and less important. You're clinging to your old beliefs, but your body is saying, "I'm an old man now. <laughs> I might as well just fucking kill myself." Right? What was Kurt Wilde's first manager's name? Do you recall? JJ Dillon. He was a um he was in a wheelchair when we were first introduced to him. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, as um 
Arthur's interviewing him present day, and he's remembering when he first saw. Christ's um, sakes, I don't remember. When he's first, um, when he first saw uh, uh, Brian Brian Slade and Cecil and Kurt Wilde, and yeah, I don't remember. I, I love the I love the way he would talk about it, like longingly. Like he has not seen Kurt Wilde or Brian Slade yeah. in years and years. I think that I think that's yeah yeah. I think it was. Uh, it's either if you're a redneck, it's Cecil, and if you're not Cecil. a redneck, it's Cecil. Um, but he, he may be a redneck. Guy. I love. Kurt Wilde's intro in this movie. This might be the high point of the movie. Uh, oh, Kurt yeah. Wilde, the Iggy Pop character played by Ewan McGregor. Ewan McGregor fucking put on some beef for this one. He was kind of he was pretty shredded, and he um, he's on stage. People are booing him, and I've heard this about Iggy Pop too: is that people would call him like fag and stuff on stage, and he would just fucking like punch people in the face. Oh yeah, and, cut himself, smear peanut butter all yeah. over himself. Just do all kind of. He was a uh, uh, wild and wacky stuff. <laughs> but his intro is fantastic when it, when Cecil's longingly remembering him, and he's like Kurt Wild, and it zooms in on his face. There's a lot of there's a lot of crash zooms in this movie, and he's like Kurt Wild, zooms in on Cecil's term. face, and and, and and you know, Ewan McGregor's on stage gyrating around. He does a great Iggy. Um, oh fuck yeah, man! His his accent is a little little off. I love mm-hmm. Ewan McGregor. He's supposed to be from Michigan. You could hear that. You could still hear the England. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> but that's oh, okay. It's okay. It's it. It worked. Which made me actually confused until they actually said he was from Michigan, raised by wolves. In the movie, uh, I was confused. I was like, wait, is he supposed to be British? So, um, but yeah, I mean, Ewan McGregor, McGregor, fucking, he drops his pants, his tight ass pants. He's he's turning around and looking between his legs, his balls and dick all jingling. Yeah, around. his butthole. <laughs> Stinking asshole! These idiots yelling around, and he fucking shows them everything. And then never he, saw Merle Haggard do that. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> he probably hated those people too. He probably did as much cocaine as those guys did, though. <laughs> but he like he fuck, he has a little he has a shake can of glitter. He fucking jerks it off and throws it into the audience. He, I guess I don't know what it was. The goo he rubs all over himself and makes the glitter all stick to himself. It was pretty awesome though. No fun. So, um, and then, we, and, and I like, um, Bri- uh, uh, Brian, Brian Slade, uh, Jonathan Reese Myers, almost called him Brian Reese Myers. Uh, Brian Slade, his transformation throughout the thing, it shows, <laughs> it shows Brian Slade as a youngster. Um, he was in the mod scene in the sixties and then it shows him with the, you know, he's wearing a long purple dress and high heeled boots and playing <laughs> the guitar on stage. And he, uh, I mean that's that is that was Bowie all the way right there. Um, Bowie's album. Uh, I'd have to look this up. I can't remember the name of it. Um, it's on the cover, but um, goddamn, on the cover of what? One of the Bowie albums where he has really long hair and wearing that almost identical dress to that. Uh, <sighs> I don't recall. Shit. Um, but. Um, the transformations he's go he goes through through the whole movie are really great because he I mean he goes from the mod sixties up to the well the coked out like painted face and you know glitter and all that shit too so um I think everybody in this movie is just really solid you know the uh, I mean Tony Collette she she plays Brian Slade's ex wife who is being interviewed in present day about the past and she hasn't talked to him in years either it's a hunky dory. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got a purple no, dress no. and red fucking long hair. And I think it might be. Looks the, like Tilda Swinton. <laughs> yes, he does. Um, yeah, it is. It is. I think there's a. I think there's a picture on the inside of. Maybe there's a picture on the inside of Hunky Dory with him actually sitting on a stool with his legs okay. crossed. But yes, Hunky Dory is. I think the element of the time and dogs. Uh, so, well, do, are you a fan of glam rock? Do you like this era in music? I Am I a fan of glam rock? Flan of glam. Am I a flange? <laughs> um, I love Bowie. Okay. Okay, there's the picture. I see it. Okay, yeah. Okay, there he is. I love Bowie. I love uh, Iggy. I love uh, I like Lou Reed. Um, uh, you know, like uh, Brian Eno. I never mm-hmm. listened to Brian Eno. I was aware of his existence, uh, but mostly just you know that stuff. So Bri- yeah, Brian yeah. Eno is one of those guys who's more remembered as a producer as opposed yeah. to. I mean, he did the you know the quintessential talking heads album uh, yeah, he yeah. did the u2 albums that you know joshua tree and they're one other one that's super big um i mean I, I, a lot of their albums are super big but um just like uh what's his name's cock <laughs> right <laughs> um no but you know um yeah i i mean i remember growing up and seeing this craziness on wait a minute your mustache is tickling um uh, on TV, um, especially Bowie and people. Mustaches tickling. <laughs> Mustaches tickling on your genitalia. Um, <laughs> but I mean, and living in West Virginia and seeing like, uh, I mean, he would be on like Dinosaur and shit like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was I mean, everywhere. like fucking Iggy and him both. I think were like Dinosaur and and uh, and. But he would also produce. Um, Pretty much like music videos before, you know, I think yeah. Bowie and, and uh, like Pink Floyd, they would put out these, pro- they called them, you know, just promotional videos and they would send them around. Uh, not, not there a, it is. Not a ton of people did that. The, the, yeah. You know, I think the Beatles kind of pioneered that music the video man, thing. The Man but... Who Sold the World is the album. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. I just found it. But, um, you know, and, and, you know, like I said, living in – you didn't have to live in redneck West Virginia to feel this way because, I mean, people would sit and they're like, what the fuck? Okay, here's this guy. is You know, he's dressing like a woman and blah, 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 blah. And what the fuck? And then when he did the Ziggy Stardust, it's like, oh, gee, what? You know, what What the fuck is this? <laughs> what is this? Oh, no. <laughs> but – um. Did you lose it? <laughs> <laughs> um, it? I just remember it being very strange. And what's weird was um, if you would have listened to the music. Okay, if you, I think now, just looking back in retrospect, you know, some some thirty forty years later, that um, in retrospect, if you would have just heard the music but not seen all that. A lot of the people that reject – I think there were people that rejected it just because you know the, it made them uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. The this, this, this sexuality and the, the, uh, the, the, the confused uh, androgynous shit. Um, but the songs, like especially even like a lot of Bowie's early stuff and – I mean it was like acoustic, uh, just acoustic songs. He's playing the guitar and stuff like that. But then, you know, he's up there and, you know, I, I don't know. It's it's just, it was, um, people were not ready 
for that. Yeah, I don't. I don't think this this movement. I mean, it wasn't. It was kind of short lived. Probably yeah. just five years or so. Well, you know, the, and there was a small group of people I think that embraced it. That you know tried to like fans that tried to emulate the the look and all mm-hmm. that stuff but i don't remember especially i mean like where around where i live i don't remember anybody going out and it, i would have thought it was more in the major metropolitan areas and stuff like that maybe but um you know bowie's always been there i mean he's always been around he's always been huge and and um but uh, you know, I just think uh, at that time it wouldn't. Ma- I I don't even know. I mean, even t- well today, pe- people have pretty much seen everything. Yeah. But back then, everything was so you know cookie cutter, cut and dry. And then he just was like. Rawr. <laughs> you know, here's all this, you know, fucking – it was like uh, uh, somebody who was just a, a, an alien or something. Right. And I remember him – I remember them, you know, him saying, you know, everyone's bisexual and blah, 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 blah. And that was a big thing because people were like, okay, now – okay. Now he's saying he likes <laughs> men and women? What? <laughs> what the faggot? What the hell? The um, he likes women too. What? I'm I'm pretty sure that the the, the, music, like girl? the musical movement was kind of was not really like critically successful. I don't think that people like like they kind of brushed it off as. But they got a lot for, of mainstream publicity because, like I said, well, because it was so different. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, I mean, here's Bowie. He would be on fucking all these TV shows and shit, and that was back when you had fucking three channels: ABC, NBC, and CBS. So it wasn't like now where you have five hundred channels, so they'll put anything on. And he was getting he was getting shown, and it was it was almost like a. Um, it was performance. It wasn't almost like performance art. It was performance yeah, art. It's yeah. almost like Andy Kaufman. You know, they put Andy Kaufman on there, and he'd get up there and fucking play, goddamn Mighty Mouse on a record player and and lip sync. But, but I mean, they they um, I don't know, man. The fucking TV people back then had a lot of balls because <laughs> I'm sure there were. You know, they they probably got a lot of calls from people like uh, you know my parents or whatever like <laughs> what the fuck is this shit um possibly get him off there and put on fucking hee-haw my god parents, damn it my parents watched some hee-haw we watched hee-haw every fucking sunday night but anyway this movie is not hee-haw the, we are reviewing a movie yes yes and if they did make a hee-haw movie Along these the lines, of this movie, I think it would be good because I read fucking Roy Clark hated Buck Owens' guts. <laughs> and, I feel like uh, we talked about this before. Yeah, what? there was some good stuff on there. But anyway, um, um, did, I, did you think that okay? Like when we're looking at the, I have the IMDb thing up, uh-huh. okay, and they have like a movie poster. And okay, it's weird how they always do this because it's like Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, or when Steve McQueen was with uh, Paul Newman and Towering Inferno. Okay, well, on the poster we'll have Steve McQueen's picture first, Paul Newman second, but underneath we'll have Paul Newman's name because people would be like, okay, the names are messed up. Even on this poster, they have Christian Bale, Ewan McGregor's in the middle, and more toward the front. John Reese Myers in the back, but Ewan McGregor's name is under Christian Bale. John Reese Myers <laughs> is in the middle, 
under Ewan McGregor and Christian Bales is under John Reese Myers. Maybe it's intentional as like a comment on their identities being kind of mixed and well, I think confused. It, it, to me, <laughs> it's weird because even though Ewan McGregor at the time, which is uh, 1998, was probably the bigger star because nobody had seen fucking Batman because I made it. He isn't for me. Christian Bale, not not Ewan McGregor. You said, what you said, Ewan McGregor. What you said? You said he wasn't in Batman yet. But you mean you mean Christian Bale, not Ewan. McGregor. Ewan McGregor wasn't in Batman yet either. <laughs> no, he wasn't. No, but but in this movie, to me, Christian Bale and John Reese Myers are the two most prominent people in the movie. Oh, yeah. I could on a poster, either one of them being in the forefront but they put you and mcgregor on there now this may be because this is might be the a, a, a poster or a picture art for like the dvd and you and mcgregor now is more famous but it's almost like they have john reese myers back there in the background it's like look fucker, i'm in the movie too it's about me yeah he and was I, uh he'd already been in let's see i mean a life less ordinary i guess with cameron diaz which is a pretty popular one i guess but he'd already been in train spotting a couple years prior so yeah, yeah. he was a name by then and he was getting ready to be in fucking star wars you know so yeah i mean he was awesome in this and everything but yeah. i don't think he was the the main character of the movie well he had a lot of lot of time. He had a well. He was a he was a very he he was a I don't know the the literary term for it, but he kept the story going. I mean, it was yeah. always, it was always you know the two of them, Christian Bale and Jonathan Rhys Meyers characters revolving around Kurt Wilde in some way because you know he's yeah he's like untamed. I mean, they fucking yeah, you know, they, yeah with yeah. his dick all flopping. They um, want to tame him. You know, I I I heroin has been my main man, and now. You can be my main man, <laughs> and I like it, you know, because Iggy was like, you know, uh, he, he kind of, Iggy was just kind of a, 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 I hate to say it, but kind of a doofus uh, yeah. back then. You know, he had that deep voice. But now I will say this: you um, and McGregor, you and McGregor, the poster is fucking confusing the shit out of me because I'm reading <laughs> the names. I'm looking right at Christian Bale, and I said, because you and McGregor, and I meant Christian Bale. Christian Bale does not make a good androgynous uh, dude. Yeah, he's not. He doesn't. Oh, there were some times where I was like, "It's, it's, he's, he's very masculine looking," and so then when he kind of dyed his hair and put on lipstick and stuff, it, he, yeah, he just looked kind of like a bad crossdresser. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, and it's like, um, possibly speaking of crossdressers, possibly my favorite casting in the movie was actually Eddie Izzard as uh-huh. Jerry Devine. Uh-huh. Um, have you seen Eddie Izzard stand up before? I have. Okay, so I thought it was funny that he's probably the most masculine figure in the movie. <laughs> but, yeah, well, um, yeah. I, I loved the scene when he's challenging Cecil to or Cecil to the uh, <laughs> to the arm wrestling for managing Slate. That was pretty funny. <laughs> but his suits are absurd. He would like he looks like he's wearing upholstery, and he's like he always has a cigar in his hand. I, I I thought he was pretty funny. I liked him. But you know, I mean, was he is. I know him as a comedian, but I mean, is he a trained actor? Because I mean, fuck, he does a great job. Um, or is he just being a comedian and being comfortable? He has him? acted. I don't know that he was trained as an actor. I've seen oh, no. him. Well, never mind. He's. Uh, I mean, I guess stage performances are. I mean, get, get, yeah. getting up there and doing your comedy yeah. counts as something. But I mean, he's been in quite a few movies. So 
I will say this about the movie because, you know, like I said, I, I, I grew up with Bowie and um, I – but I never – especially when he when he was pretty big, especially when he had that huge success with, uh, uh, you know, Modern Love and all that shit in the 80s and, and the video age. Um, but we didn't have internet or anything back then. <laughs> fucking dancing in the street, the gayest yeah. video ever. Dancing in the street. Oh, God. Um, but, embarrassing. <laughs> uh, embarrassing to his fucking wallet, man, it wasn't. <laughs> no. um, you know, you didn't have the internet and everything, so all you had uh, – and I remember, you know, the music magazines and shit like that back then um, and picking up something here and there. But I wasn't super-duper into, you know – getting magazines unless it was to read about cheap trick or Joan Jett or something <laughs> anyway but um, um, now that you have such a plethora of information on the information superhighway um, you know reading about Bowie and this and also seeing this movie and and how it parallels his life uh, he was a fucking scumbag man i mean and i don't want to say a scum okay he was a goddamn degenerate fucking cokehead to the point that when i was watching this movie and and the brian slade character he got to be so i mean i was like this is the most unlikable fucking dickhead i mean he would just perpetually say stoned uh snorting cocaine up his nose like in the fucking buckets full and living the life of which was Ziggy Stardust but it was uh, uh what was it Max um shit there's it's actually a like some kind of quantum physics term but that was instead of Ziggy Stardust there was he had his name oh I don't know it was Max something or something like that but um I went and you know started reading about Max Maxwell Demon. Okay, uh, <laughs> but um, it's totally what I mean. Bowie was so fucking fucked up on cocaine, and then, like I said, he got into this, you know, Ziggy Stardust, and then the Thin White Duke. He would he would get into these alter egos, and he he said he would just basically, and you see this in the movie with the Brian Slade character. He would just lose himself. He said, "I would." totally be this character and i was so fucked up on drugs uh whereas and this is this is kind of weird to me because i'm sure you know if you're you know people have their their choice uh or whatever of drugs you know what they like and what they don't but usually if you do one drug you're you'll do other drugs too but it was weird because bowie and brian slade were huge huge cokeheads and this was in the you know the seventies before that when you know you had to be pretty much rich to do coke. I mean now in the eighties it became cheaper and and all this and that. But um, he was a big cokehead. But Iggy or Ian McGregor, who played Kurt Wild, uh, or the Kurt Wild character or Iggy Pop were heroin addicts. So you have one guy who's Stuffing cocaine up, I'm doing cocaine, and I got to do this, and, and it's inspiring me. And I got, I'm going to write this, and I'm going to write that, and then I'm going to put on these costumes. And I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and everything. And then you have a, a guy sitting over there. Yeah, man, I'm going to do fucking heroin in the corner. And I and um, but I also noticed um, we talked about uh, Christian Bale's grill. Oh yeah, uh, he did get it fixed. Because now when he smiles, his teeth are all straight and everything, so he got it fixed. But at one time – and I think this is what causes his 
his speech and his strange mouth movements, I think he kind of had some fucking front teeth that were a little bit crooked and shit. Uh, so he would try and cover them up. And like even when he'd smile, he tries to almost It's almost his, like he had fangs. Yeah, like he tries to keep his lips over his fucked up grill. And then <laughs> now, you know, and, and he is not, he doesn't lisp, but he, he puts his tongue between his teeth. But anyway, that's just a little thing. But, okay. Nah. <laughs> wait a minute. Okay, okay, wait. Uh, there you okay. go. Okay. <laughs> All right, I'm ready. I love the, the scene where um, asshole. Um, Brian Slade is just laying in bed in in oblivion, snorting coke. Probably hasn't slept in in fucking weeks or a month, um, and he's snorting coke off this black chick with a dusty Rhodes white afro <laughs> off her ass. <clears throat> and his wife, who I, and I like that too, that the her, wife her, she's was sprinkled like she comes in and the chick is just passed yeah. out in bed with her butt in yeah. the air and the fucking Big just butt. coke just sprinkled all over. <laughs> and uh, and. His wife, uh, I like the part. The, the the part. It almost reminded me of Madonna when she started doing her stupid. Uh, she would start speaking like she was uh, from England or something like that, and the the girl would be like talking with this British uh, uh, accent, and then you know, then she would just kind of be like, even when she was older, and Christian Bale uh, was interviewing her. Mm-hmm. She would slip into that accent and then just be kind of like, uh, "What the fuck's the point?" And she would go back to her American, you know, <laughs> accent or whatever. But the, the, they they just kind of lived this um, this lifestyle. But then it was funny because it showed almost like uh, Eddie Izzard. He did it almost as a publicity stunt where he would hire all these really flamboyant, either gay or androgynous people uh, and, and, and fashion, fashionistas mm-hmm. to pretend to be Brian Slade's entourage. And they would say all these outrageous things and they'd make these videos, but it was all kind of like pretend. But then they, they – they, like Bowie or Brian Slade, they – they just kind of fell into those characters, and they did them so much that they became and and God, they've. I mean, I would think that being around those people, they were probably pretty repulsive. Probably <laughs> they came off as they almost got to the point where they just came off as elitist and yeah. ass, really assholeish. And so then, when you get into the movie, the Kurt Wilde character, I never got the feeling with him. And he even says this at the beginning because they show him in like a cafe or something and, and he's being interviewed and he's talking about how kind of, you know, yeah, he's talking about, you know, everybody's bisexual and stuff. What's all that? And he's just kind of a he's, – he's like a, just a dumb kid. Yeah. And he would go along with anything. But even when he was with Brian Slade, he never – Really, he would just kind of go along with the stuff, but it wasn't like he became that that way. Right. Whereas Slade and his entourage just became this real pompous, uh, ponce like uh, Ponce de Leon kind of. You know, you would think that if they were in uh, uh, pre-French Revolution, you know, they let them eat cake and all this stuff. Uh, just really assholishness. Uh, I don't know, but I mean, they became came very, very unlikable, mm-hmm. and I think that the Kurt Wilde character, uh, 
was I, I, I always liked him. I never got to the point where I was like, God, he's a dick or he's an asshole or whatever. He was just kind of, and I think that that's kind of why he fell out with with uh, Slade. And then the, the Christian Bale thing, the, the one thing, the one problem I had with the movie, I think, was I think it would have been better, would have been good if they would have just had Christian Bale. He was the writer. Right. He's the, you know, going around exploring all this stuff and, you know, maybe show the stuff where he's, you know, was a fan back then. Right. And he really liked that uh, type of music and that culture and everything when he was a kid. But the whole thing with him actually meeting Brian or uh, meeting Kurt Wilde when he was younger and and they just saw each other across the room and everything. I thought that was a little bit too much. Yeah, I think they, and they just his his story. My, I guess my issue with it is also around that character because his story. This is ultimately a story about him, and yeah. it's a, it's a little muddled. Like it doesn't like in the past he becomes too involved as a fan, but right. in the present it's just kind of like. He just kind of like, you know. I mean, how the Kurt fuck is he Wild, writing his story? He doesn't. He doesn't know. do shit for review for <laughs> for research. He interviews. Uh, he interviews uh, Mandy and does like one search on a computer, and that's yeah. about it. And like a nice computer too. And, and it's like I don't know. I mean, maybe he's just hesitant to go back. But I don't know. His story doesn't have a good. Yeah, I just didn't. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't care for the Arthur Stewart story. It needed to be fleshed out a little better. I think. So. Yeah, they, to me, they they could have almost um, making they could have just this made movie, it a Slade Wild movie. <laughs> it would have been fine, pretty much. And if they want, if they if they needed to have a reporter that was, you know, to bring it all together, he's investigating everything, so they mm-hmm. can do the flashbacks, they can show everything. They could have just had anybody, just a reporter. Just going around and yeah. just be basically just a person, yeah. and not have to have that whole the whole backstory or anything like that. But I mean, it wasn't that it was bad or anything. That's no, just the no. one part of the movie that was kind of uh, I don't know if I'd say lacking, but it was just yeah, I don't know weaker than the rest. And it's a bit, it's a bit weaker. Yeah, and the, and the stuff in the seventies is the the highlight of the film. Like you know, as I've said already, but the I mean, I played the "Babies on Fire" yeah. song at the beginning of this, but. That scene is fucking great in this when he uh, – it's it's like there's a, it, they're on stage and I think – I can't remember who is singing. Oh, it's – okay. It's Slade singing and uh, uh, Wilde is playing guitar. Playing guitar, yeah. And the, that's the, the, the picture of, of Slade going down on his guitar or whatever. But at that scene, you're really getting a melding of American what's, and what's British. What's that's <laughs> Tony Collette. Okay, go ahead. Um, you're getting a melding <laughs> because that's kind of what happened with this music scene all the way even through punk is that it would hop back and forth from America to Britain back. You know, it would it would like come and become one thing one place and then go back overseas. Mm-hmm. And it's like the melding at that point of you have Kurt Wilde playing that American riff on his guitar. You have and you have the glam Slade singing. And at that point, with that scene, and like it shows all the stuff. There's like a photograph of them kissing or something for for the for publicity. But I, I really like that scene of what kind of like the the microcosm of even the, the music. What what was going on with the music at that time? So, um, I don't have a ton more notes, but I, I really love the lighting in this. Um, I don't know what else Todd Haynes did outside of movies, but 
Um, it's the same in his other film, uh, I'm Not There, which is most, it's most if not all black and white, but um, he's very good at light lighting. And both of, both of these movies are lit very well, but because, well, the other one's a photographer, the other director's a photographer, but um, it's almost like at all times a stage show. It's like even, mm-hmm. even the scenes with Arthur interviewing Mandy at a bar, in a bar, it's like they're, they're lit in a way that looks like it would be a st- like a, a, a a theater perform a theatrical performance. Um, they're kind of lit from underneath a little bit, and it's it's very it's 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 done really well. And the and I and I, I mentioned the the lighting in modern day New York being all brown and kind of hazy, and then um, it's just it's just good. It's good. And um, there's something about in movies when they show um, like that scene or in um, Friends of Eddie Coyle when they show like a bar in the middle of the day and there's really not that many, there's hardly anybody in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's kind of dark and, you know, just the dark wood and everything. I don't know if it's because I used to hang out at my friend's bar so much <laughs> and I haven't. And so it just, it's almost like when you see somebody smoking a cigar in a movie and you're like, man, I like that. Just get cigars on it. <laughs> it. It makes me kind of long for the, the times at the, at the, at the bars where, um, there was 300 people in there and people are dancing and getting in fights and shit like that. It's, that's not the, it's, it's the times when like in the middle of the day when yeah. you'd stop up or in the middle of the week and there's nobody in there and you're just sitting around, it's kind of empty. That, that scene when she was sitting there talking and everything, I'm like, yeah, it's, it was just cool to, to have like a place uh, where, where everybody knows you're there. <laughs> you you no, but, um, I um I like this movie. Um I had heard about it a long time ago and at first I didn't know if I think if I would have known that it was so clo- it cl- so closely paralleled Bowie and Iggy Pop that I would have watched it a long time ago. Yeah. Um but I never watched it cuz I just thought it was uh, all fictional characters and pretty much if you go back and you Say get on Wikipedia and just put in David Bowie and start reading that shit. I mean, this fucking movie, it just goes <laughs> bam, 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 and the same kind of with Iggy Pop, uh, you know. So it's um, if you if you um, and I don't even think you, that you have to have been a fan of this music. It, it, it uh, helps because some of the there's almost like musical video music video directing yeah this, like a few yeah. a few musical performances that are straight like they are pretty much a music video. Uh, but, you so know, if the, you like but, the music, it's going to help. The soundtrack is is it stands really good. on its own. It's really good. Yeah. Good songs and shit. You know, so it's a lot of it is it's covers cool. of older glam songs. Um, huh. There's a band that performs on a stage a few times. This is band Placebo. I fucking hate Placebo. They are awful, but they do a good job <laughs> in this movie. I, I like the covers they do. I don't like their music. I do mm-hmm. like the covers they do though. Mm-hmm. The, they're the one that on stage. The guy the long the the dark hair. Now let yeah. me ask this. Do you remember the guy's name who at the they shows him at the beginning wearing the like wide like um that wide brim black hat all black right do you remember his name in the movie but he's kind of a, a almost a mythical figure like they yeah look up to it was him. um but jack Ferry wasn't it? he apparently he's supposed to be little Richard or like yeah yeah because Bowie just just Thought that I mean he thought Little Richard was the cat's ass. Now I didn't think when I was watching it I'd have never thought that. I thought right. it was um, oh, fuck. I'm trying to think who it was. I I wasn't sure who it was. I thought it was because they were saying it was a. I thought it was like a glam rock guy who was 
like before Bowie. Yeah. You know? But I wasn't sure who it was. I didn't know if it was like the guy from T Rex or um or who it was. Um Yeah, I wasn't. Uh, it, it was it's that, not they don't make it plain. They don't, they don't spare it up. Mark Boland was the T Rex guy, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, but I but I saw T Rex and I, and so it didn't really kind of look that much like him. I wasn't sure who it was yeah. supposed to be, but then they did say it was supposed to be Little Richard, you know, based on, based Little, on Richard. Little Richard. Well, but I mean, like you said, with uh with the Kurt Wilde character, I mean, you you look at him and you watch it and. Obviously, Ewan McGregor is mimicking Iggy Pop with the on-stage stuff and a lot of stuff like that. But then they also said that Lou Reed was also – when they said about him having shock – his parents giving him shock treatment, well, Lou Reed's parents actually took him to a, a mental hospital or whatever. And they gave him shock treatment because they were trying to shock the gay out of him, Jesus. which is pretty an awful fucking thing. Yeah. Maybe that's why he sang like this all the time. Because he couldn't. <laughs> I like uh, Luffy, though. I do, too. Um, let's get into our ratings. Um, I, uh, this is, I saw this movie when it first came out. I uh, was not a huge fan of it then. Um, but then I was not into the... That, I was not into being gay as much then, and I wasn't into the music <laughs> as much then. I do think having an appreciation for this time, this musical movement helps this film because you'll appreciate the costuming. I think this movie was nominated for an Oscar for the costumes, but um, you'll just have a different appreciation for the aesthetic of it and the music. The soundtrack, like we said, is is fantastic. Um, but I've, I've liked this more over the years. This is probably the third or fourth time I've seen it. Um, and I would definitely recommend this to anyone who likes that era in music but even uh, just a music movie in general it's pretty it's pretty solid so um i give this uh, 7.75 out of 10 mm, 7.75 i'll see your 7.75 um i there wasn't uh, other than uh, i've already said all that so i don't want to repeat myself uh, excuse me while I repeat myself. Um, I give it a 7.5. The only parts that, like I said, I, I just, I thought the whole thing with Christian Bale was, um, that was a weak point. It was a weak point, yeah. but all the music and, um, I thought, um, Reese Myers was, I thought he was really good. I Very mean, we good. haven't said that much about him. We talked about, but that's the thing. That's that. That's what's weird is the movie. Uh, a great part of the movie is about that character, and he has a ton of screen time. But even talking about it, as we're sitting here talking about it, we have we didn't mention him that much. We talked about Bowie, but his. But I thought his performance was. Really good. I mean, he, but but it was just such an, uh, for me, a very very unlikable character. Oh well, yeah, uh, he's kind of a piece of garbage. But the well, uh, even but but even when he was younger, uh, I don't know. I, I if, <laughs> he's not. I think a, if, he, he's a standout. He stand out visually, but he's kind of a a muted personality. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, I, did I say my score? No. Oh, yeah, you did. 7.5. 7.5. Okay. Right. <laughs> 7.75 and a 7.5. Uh, solid film. Check it out. We're going to take another break and come back and do Control from 2007.
We'll be right back. Hey, this is Scott of Married with Clickers. Tune in to hear my wife Kat and me discuss all sorts of movies. We'll cover everything from The Lost Weekend to Weekend at Bernie's. From The Big Sleep to Big Mama's House. Well, maybe not Big Mama's House. And the great thing about Kat is that she's not afraid to speak her mind. And would you be surprised to hear he was nominated for Best Actor that year? For that film? For that film. (laughs) (laughs) But don't take my word for it. Just listen to what the Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema has to say about our show. It's a husband and wife show, and they discuss movies and stuff. Yeah, a very wife-husband show. High praise indeed. So come find us at marriedwithclickers.libsyn.com. It will save your life. Or maybe just help you kill an hour. break our next film is control the joy division story from 2007 directed by anton corbin anton corbin um that is the song transmission this uh, from one of their live performances in paris so i wanted to put a live one on there because they they kind of touch on live well more so in joy divisions like history i guess they touch on their live versus their recorded sound and Mm -hmm. um this this ends up being more of a story of ian curtis as opposed to joy division as a whole but um so yeah as i said a profile of ian curtis the enigmatic singer of joy division whose personal professional and romantic troubles led him to commit suicide at the age of 23 um this is based on deborah curtis's his his widow's book written about him released a few years ago um, uh, this was Anton Corbin's first movie. He photographed the band in the late seventies. Um, pretty some pretty iconic photos of them, and uh, his first. This is his first movie. So, um, Tom, I'm curious to see what you thought of it. I've made no. Made Did no, you like I'm not, it? I'm not hidden the fact that I like this movie, but I am a mark for the Joy Division. So, what did you? You think? are a mark. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, oh, oh. 
Um, okay, people. I must confess uh, that I had never heard of Joy Division. Okay. Do you find that strange? No, it's okay. it, it's a it's. And it was kind of back in my time, in my day. Right, but was, it's not uh, it's not it was outside of your circle, I think, because I mean The circle of trust. <laughs> it was outside of your circle of it's it's a it's a genre of music that it kind of garnered in new wave. Mm-hmm. It's after punk happened, but it's before all the, you know, flock of seagulls and shit like that that happened in the eighties. <laughs> um it's a very short-lived genre of music. It's a weird little transitional period there, and you know, well, like I remember the, the, the kind of the style of it sort of reminds me of uh, a little bit of Talking Heads, right? And and I remember Talking Heads. I, I'm more of a fan of them now than I was ever then. Right. I remember them being around, but I was never. I wouldn't say. I, I don't want to say I wasn't. I, I wasn't. Well, I would. I didn't like say oh, I hate fucking Talking Heads or whatever <laughs> like that, you know. But I just never really. I remember, you know, Psycho Killer. Yeah, I mean, just say. Uh, 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 uh. But you, I, I, you, you I, seem to be more of like a fan of like the Who and yeah. and Cheap Trick and you know guitar <laughs> guitar heavy kind of you know guitar heavy kind of you know seventies bigger rock bands. Yeah, but anyway, okay. This movie, um, I will say this: I liked all the music in it. Okay. Even though I had never heard any of these songs, I liked um, I liked the music. I liked all uh, when the, the the stage presence mm-hmm. uh, and the performance and everything in the movie. I mean, I I I haven't watched any of the like actual uh, people, yeah. you know, the, the the clips of the actual people. So I need to go Sa- back. Sam Riley does a fantastic job. Sam Riley plays right. um, plays Ian Curtis um, uh-huh. and. I read something somewhere. He also played. Okay, Twenty Four Hour Party People is. Yeah, a, I never saw that. Okay, that's a Michael Winterbottom Winterbottom I'm, movie. I'm familiar with the poster art about this exact genre of music. It's where okay. with Tony. Um, God damn it! I'm I'm blanking on people's names. Um, Curtis. Tony. No. Ayala. See, that's what messes me up. <laughs> With uh, God damn Tony Wilson, <laughs> Tony Wilson's Factory Records. Um, yeah. The uh, you know they touch on Joy Division in there, but it goes it goes past it. But um, Sam, uh, Sam Riley is actually in that film as well. He plays. Uh, I wrote it down. Curtis. He plays Tony Curtis, like walking by the club, saying, "What is this shit?" Um, he plays with an ascot on. <laughs> I don't remember, but um, so get, get, get continue. I'm sorry, that was a total derailment. You fucking, I'm fuck. the worst. No, anyway, um, <sighs> he played the lead singer of the Fall. Oh, that's why I wrote it down because they made a joke in this movie. Says so at least you're not the lead singer of the Fall, and he actually played the lead singer of the Fall in 24 Hour Party People. Ah, <laughs> uh, inside joke. Yeah. Um. So anyway. Uh, the um, I like I like uh, his his uh, his movements on stage, his kind of marching dance sort of thing. Uh, I I was uh, very amused by by that. <laughs> um, now 
let's get down to brass tacks about this movie. Okay. Because this is not a music video. Uh, although I did, uh, I would say that now, and I don't know if I would, I'll have to go and listen to their actual music. Okay. Now, was he lips? He wasn't lip syncing, right? He was singing the songs and everything. There was a couple times they used Joy Division's music, but yes, he did. He did when they were performing live. That was mm-hmm. that was actually Sam Riley. Because when singing. you were playing the the intro music for this segment of the Sylvan Gold podcast, on uh, which is you know episode fifty, um, bringing ass to the class since two thousand eleven, gape to your face. <laughs> um, <laughs> The, the um, you know, I could t- tell the 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 lead singer's voice was different then, and mm-hmm. so. But like now, now listening to the music in the in this movie, you know, I'm a fan of that. So you know, we'll we'll see. You know, if I have to go and 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 you know, download some of their their real stuff. But okay, I I'm torn with this movie. Okay. Because a great majority of it is their stage performance and them singing and that. And, I, and I'm all down for that. I liked all that. But I will say this. I find the character, he was so boring. <laughs> I'm so bored. Life is horrible. I'm bored. Oh, my, you know. I'm got to go on stage, and I just don't want to. I wanted success, but now that I have it, I don't want it. I want to be married because I love you, but now I don't love you anymore. Why can't I have you and have another girl, too? That guy was so fucking boring. <laughs> and not only was he boring, and he just acted like, okay, and I know about, you know, of course, I watched the movie, and I know the story. The guy had epilepsy and shit like that. Well, it wasn't uh, only epilepsy. He was also almost debilitatingly either manic-depressive or just depressed. Just depressed. Yes. Um, he, and, but, uh, and, 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 and that's his story. Yeah. But watching someone that's depressed is depressing enough <laughs> in real life. But um, when you, I mean, you're sitting there, and like I said, now it, it's it, there. It was because that's that is his story, and that's what happened. Unless you talk to some of the people in the movie, they said that no. But or I mean, that was actually in the group. I read that some of them were like, okay, they had to do what they had to do. Because it's a movie, but yeah, no, this wasn't the way it was, and this and that. So yeah, in the in the documentary, it's interesting because they, you know, all the things that you see, the major events with him having a fit on stage or the in the car and everything, those things happened. But they were saying at the time, it they were so caught up in being a band and everything that they did not even realized like it was it, it still came as a shock to them even after he attempted suicide the first time it still mm-hmm. came as a shock that he hung himself to all of them but like like yeah. it came out of nowhere for them because they're like if we had just stopped for a second and well they were on the roller coaster right? yeah and so if we had stopped for a second we would have seen that he needed fucking help because people even in the crowd and stuff they thought that when he was having seizures on stage that he that it was just part of the act he was just kind of it was a stage performance or a performance art or whatever mm-hmm. now there were parts in this movie that i found quite funny 
like the nervous farting was hilarious <laughs> because I mean, I remember before football games, um, getting butterflies and stuff so bad. And one guy on the team during the entire pregame talk and all that shit would sit on the toilet in the other room because he had the shit so bad because his stomach was so nervous. But like they're just in there and they're talking and the one guy's doing the, you know, the drumming thing with his hands on yeah, his, yeah. his thighs and everything. And you just every, every so often you'd hear, <laughs> and, and nobody in the room even acknowledges it. And then when the the the, the guy that's telling him that it's time to go on opens the door, and he's like, "Fucking hell! What are you guys doing in here?" That was pretty funny. It had it had a few funny moments like that. Um, but the the part that, that really I don't know if I would say killed it for me or whatever was like I said. I mean, just the way. The oh shit! The Sam, Sam Riley. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was like he 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 constantly had his head kind of cocked to the side, like he could barely hold his head up. His eyes, and he was just like, you know, I'm so fucking bored. This is such a fucking boring movie. I don't know what to do in between. I'm so. I'm just a miserable person. So then it was uh, – and I I keep having to preface by saying I know, okay, maybe this is how the guy was. Yeah. But it wasn't very entertaining. <laughs> the, watching him on stage, he, it was – and and that – He was a different person. Um, and, and that's 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 a, that's almost like a uh, – uh, you know, like a duality of his – persona and of his when he was up on stage he was very dynamic and fun to watch and everything and so it was almost like a from dusk till dawn thing where it was a split movie for me all that stuff i was like this is great you know i've never even heard of these i love the music and him up there fucking the way he would you know do that crazy weird fucking dance shit and everything i was all into that and then as soon as they'd get off stage it was like Back to being depressed. Yeah, there's a there's a great quote about Joy Division and uh, that somebody says uh, punk enabled you to say fuck you, but somehow it couldn't go any further. Sooner or later, someone was going to say I'm fucked, and that was Joy Division. Yeah, well, I, you, you have to feel for the guy in some ways, but in some ways, it's like okay. Uh, right off the bat, they said when when he first had his uh, first seizure or whatever, and they said, "Okay, you have epilepsy. We're going to try these different drugs until we find one ones that work for you." Yeah. Um, don't drink alcohol. You need to get sleep. You need to do this and everything. And so he's like, okay, let's go party and stay up fucking uh, 24 hours a day and tour <laughs> constantly and everything. And it's like well, okay. he, was a, he was still a kid, you know? I mean, he was, they were 21 years old. So, and then, and then the whole thing of um, I wanted to be famous, but now that I'm famous, I didn't want this. It's too much. <laughs> it's like, Jesus Christ, motherfucker. Okay, well then uh, – how about this? Quit. Go home. He did. Uh, well, but I mean, he did, but he didn't because I mean, even up till the end, they were getting ready to go on this big tour, and he was like, I mean, he he lied and faked it and said, "Yeah, I'm ready to go." And because I think uh, the the one and, and another part, and I don't know if it's not spoiler because right? you know we've already said that he fucking killed himself, and yeah. I mean, it's public knowledge or whatever. But um, like. <sighs> 
I don't give a fuck if he had fucking epilepsy or if he was depressed or not. Okay, you're you're married and you just had a baby, and so then you're going to go out and do the groupie thing and fuck some goddamn foreign chick. Then go to your wife in the end and say, and she's like, but you know, oh, don't leave me, don't leave me, and and she's like, but you you're in love with someone else. Why does that have to be di- make a difference? It's like, dude, are you fucking an idiot? Okay, are you semi-retarded or what? Okay, because that's when he said that, I was just like, this guy's just a fucking pretentious <laughs> douche who thinks, you know, okay, oh, you know, like the uh, the um, what do you call it? The um, not struggling artist, but the he's he's so tortured artist. Too. The tort, yeah. I'm a tortured artist. I should be able to have a wife and have a girlfriend on the road. I don't know. Why is this so difficult? Why do I I sound like Ringo Starr? If I could just have everything my way, everything would be okay. I want to be a rock star, but I don't want to tour and I don't want to get on stage and sing. And I want to be a husband, but I want to have a girlfriend too. Was it in this film? Was it in in this that that he said that Nobody knows how 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 hard, like how much he gives on the stage. Is that is that this? <laughs> yes, okay. and that shit too. I, I, I you know the word pretentious just keeps you know blah blah blah. But um, well, for, okay, I don't like th- you said. I don't think that's episode his- before. You don't have to be the, a character. Doesn't have to be likable. Yeah, uh, and that's the character they were playing and maybe he did a good job of playing if that's how the guy was but inevitably watching a boring asshole who thinks who is a in some ways kind of a spoiled stupid jerk is not i don't know it's it just uh, that that guy might have been just like that's just like john reese myers in the other movie Mm-hmm. Uh, that may be the way Bowie was, or the way this that you know the Brian Slade character is supposed to be, and everything. But inevitably, I'm watching this to, you know, uh, the, uh, it. Uh, like I said, I really am kind of torn because as I was watching it, I did like, I did like certain parts of it. I did like the music, and I did like the stage performances. But yeah. he was just such a. Even when you know the guy killed himself and everything, I'm thinking you know when I before when you just told me, hey, let's review this movie. It's about this guy, and you know he was in this band and 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 he was very young, was like 28 years old or whatever, 23, 23, and he kills himself. And I was before I watched it, I was like, God, that's you know that's horrible, you know da da da. And then after I watched it, I'm like, well, maybe you should have fucking killed yourself because you were just a miserable fucking. I don't know. I just didn't like the guy. I, now, I, as, and, so, as somebody that deals with tough days, you got to have at least a little sympathy for you know. I, I honestly didn't. I mean, <laughs> I was just kind of like, I felt bad for him because he had epilepsy. But other than that, he was just fucking kind of a jerk. <laughs> and 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 not a very likable jerk. I don't know why people were so you know. Uh, uh, he just seemed like I said. I I hate to go back to the Ringo Starr, but he just seemed so boring. Life is just a struggle. It's a struggle to even keep my eyes open. 
just to get up and to speak because life is just shit. Well, okay, then go fucking hang yourself because, you know, uh, I mean, I'm sitting here and sometimes I think that, but I don't have, like, I'm not, people are saying, okay, we're going to go on this big tour and you're going to be a big, huge musical success. You already are and everything. I hate these fucking people that are, I guess maybe success doesn't give you it's like when they say money doesn't bring you happiness or whatever yeah, yeah. but that's easy to say when you have money or when you're famous <laughs> because you think your life's boring try sitting for four fucking hours in front of a computer doing silver <laughs> and gold you know but i mean it just that's just you know uh, my opinion i don't know the um what what has always been intriguing to me about and they really didn't go into anybody else that much right yeah like i said like we were saying it's a profile of him as as opposed to a profile of joy division mm-hmm. um Gerp. which is kind of why that, that might be why every time i watch this i end up watching the joy division documentary it makes it it makes it feel more complete but more yeah the um the thing that always has intrigued me about Ian Curtis is him the way you know being as young as he was but as as red as he was and Ed like like well read like oh, he, well, okay yeah 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 um, like communist <laughs> and being as I don't know like writing the things that he did like when I was twenty one some of the shit that I would write I would be embarrassed to even like read myself and you know for for a pop, I mean, what what for guys that aspired to be at first a punk band, but then a pop band, to you know, as young as they were, and to change literally change the face of music is that's always been so intriguing to me about this about Ian Curtis and the band in general, his writing, their music in general, the the production that went into it. I don't know. It's it's a, that's that's something that's always stuck with me with this band, mm-hmm. um, and the, you know that he was living in constant pain and that he couldn't like he couldn't find happiness no matter what he did because he was always torn he you know he he had the teenage love with deborah but then had this new wild thing and you know his brain wouldn't let him get rid of either one of them Um, he was kind of a jerk (laughs) well yeah i mean you know and and in in fairness you know, when you're not of right mind, everybody does kind of shitty things. You know, I mean, I I'm, yeah, but yeah, but but saying that, okay, I know what you're saying. Yeah, but there's he had these problems, right? But the stuff that he did, it wasn't like it was uncommon, and so and that you know everybody that that is just a jerk that cheats on their fucking wife because after they just had a baby and shit like that. Everybody is not in constant pain and everybody yeah. is not in this. Right. I mean, there's a possibility that he was just a fucking <laughs> asshole, you know, that he was this musical success and he uh, is behind the stage just like every other fucking musical, you know, that that's the big thing. And there's some girls hanging around and he's fucking them. He might have just been a dick who had epilepsy the, um, and maybe was a little bit depressed. But, I mean, he, he just came off like such a jerk. I, I read uh, his I, um, uh, I read his daughter's review of right. this movie. Right. Um, she said there was two things that she found wrong with it. One, that... It you know about that and it maybe you know it wasn't quite 
mm-hmm. accurate with how he might have actually been feeling. Right, and I did hear that, uh, and I and I uh, somebody said that um, that there were people in reviewing it and stuff uh, that that said that there one one of the problems that they had was Sam Riley's um, portrayal. Okay. So, you know, well, you know, the, and another thing is she was saying that, you know, this movie didn't um, properly uh, reflect the influence of Manchester on the band's sound and their lyrics, because mm-hmm. at the time, Manchester was uh, it was very run down, lots of poverty. This is like it's post right. post industrial revolution. There's like right. there's, you know, it's all concrete buildings and, and just like it just wasn't. It wasn't a thriving place, and the music was almost you know in the documentary a woman there's a woman that says that it, it was that joy division, despite having vocals is a, a an ambient sound for Manchester at that time mm-hmm. and the in that his daughter was saying that the movie maybe didn't reflect Manchester properly you know to really reflect why the band might have sounded like they did but wasn't his daughter only like a baby when she he was. killed himself so yeah she so was. how the fuck would she know well i mean you <laughs> you know about the place you grew up you know well i mean but she didn't grow up that uh, uh, you know during that time or anything no. she's probably only going by what she was told <laughs> Well, okay. uh, I guess that's fair. <laughs> I mean, but, she uh, was a baby. I well, mean, she, she was. Probably, she doesn't even know. She didn't even. Uh, I'm sure she couldn't even remember him anything about him or anything. No, so. there's no way she did. Which is interesting. So, seeing he might have just been a jerk. Imagine seeing a movie about your dad having never really known your dad. It was kind of a. I'd trade that experience. off. <laughs> I'd make that trade. Wait, what? Um, <laughs> no, um, I, I, um, what, did, what did you think I, of the guy that played Rob Gretton, the their producer? I liked him. He was really good. <laughs> he was really – I love the part with the guy. He comes on stage. This is – the day <laughs> yeah here you go go out there and sing these songs the, the day after <laughs> um and this is this was brought up in the in the documentary as well the day after he attempts suicide with by eating pills um they have him back out on the road performing and even the guys in the band were saying you know that was pretty shitty of us. Like he was in no condition to do this, and we're asking him to be on stage already. Yeah, there and, were shitty people too. <laughs> no, it's just a bunch of bunch of assholes. You know, the only fucking good person in the whole fucking movie was probably the the wife, Deborah. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, you know, Rob Gretton was pretty good. But um, I love that part when he go. He's like, you know, their songs, right? And he uh, he makes this go go out, go out and sing, and it causes a riot. Yeah, um, that actually happened. Yeah, yeah. and but uh, I love the part when the the guy comes back out. He's like, "Where's my twenty quid? Where's my twenty quid?" And he goes, "In my fuck off pocket." <laughs> But you know what? The, now that guy, the actual guy in the movie, I thought – now maybe I missed something because I was so fucking bored watching it. Um, maybe – or I thought they portrayed that as just some guy who was just standing around. But from what I read, it was a guy from another group that he was – He was a lead singer in another band. I don't remember the yeah. name of the band, but he – yeah. He, but he it, didn't go, it didn't go over very well. <laughs> no. Now um, – Shut up, Doug. You're so fucking boring, Doug. Um, what the hell's that dog barking at? My wife. Ah. Uh, 
Ernie. Hey, Ernie. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, silver and gold, 50th anniversary, whatever. Um, she, she can't hear you. Only, she can only hear me. Yeah, well, that's good because she'd be like, who the fuck's Ernie? <laughs> um, <laughs> I've come in here, fix me something. No, I, I'm not saying that women nag because I'm sure she doesn't. <laughs> you got a, you got the best one, the better, the best one of all of them. Um, let's talk about control. Okay, Joy Division. Yes, they couldn't, um, they couldn't sniff the sweat around your bollocks. <laughs> well, now I did learn another one Rob Gretton line. And I'm not sure I'm not sure about this or what the deal was about it or whatever, but for some I did I've never heard of the Buzzcocks, but they seem to be the uh You've brunt heard of, of them. There's no way. Many a joke. You've, I mean, I've heard the name, but okay. I don't know if I've ever heard of Okay, okay, okay. I mean, I, you know, but uh, they seem to be they they every time they came up they they were there were several uh uh, little <laughs> jokes, and they were yeah. kind of to be made fun of. Yeah, but they're not, still called the cocks. <laughs> they're not called the cocks. They're called the buzz cocks. <laughs> Jesus, those guys put me to sleep. That the 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 uh, the, 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 oh, the 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 manager guy, like you said, he was he was very entertaining, and he was very good. And I like when uh, uh, the one guy was when they first kind of got together, and they just had like one of their friends say, "You know, I'm going to be your manager." And then he showed up, and he goes, "Oh, you're the manager. What's your name?" And then and the guy says, "He goes, you know how I know you know because I don't know who the fuck you are." <laughs> you know, but uh, there there was some funny stuff in it, but it just it got really, and it was supposed to. I just I don't know. I just thought it was. It was it was hard just sitting there watching this guy who was just a miserable fuck. Yeah, because uh, it just it, it, that made it very. Um, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't. I, I when you get to the point where a twenty three year old guy is going to kill himself, and you don't care. Then there's something. Then then there was something wrong. I mean, I I I didn't I didn't feel bad for. I mean, I felt bad for him when he would have a seizure or something like yeah. that. But then by the end, his character was portrayed as just such a. I don't know. Just not. I mean, so unlikable and so miserable and so bored and you know, like the, I said, pretentious and everything. That when he finally killed himself, I'm like, okay, well, fuck, go ahead. You know, the, the, I, well, I wasn't sitting there I, and and just even saying that someone that young and he tried to kill himself before and then he tried to kill himself again. You would think by the end of the movie that it would be like Jesus Christ, that's so awful and everything. But I was just kind of like, okay. I, and and I will I will admit I'm coming into this bias just because for years well, and years I've yeah. liked their music so much, and because I'm interested in, in interested in the work that he did, the music. I that think he made. I should watch the documentary. I think you'd like it. Um, the it's interesting. The you know the bandmate hearing the bandmates say. Um, I think the bassist actually said that uh, he ne- he never went to like see. Ian after he died and he always has regretted that ever since but it was dead what's he gonna go see well like the at the wake or whatever oh, um okay they um but they were talking about how you know he would go along with Ian would go along with them even though he was struggling with his own stuff and ha- them having no idea because they felt like he 
didn't want to let them down, which they don't really touch on that in the movie that he was dedicated to them like that. Well, um, I could see to to an extent um, that he felt like it, that, yeah, that he kind of felt that way and everything, mm-hmm. and and that was that like you said, it was kind of shitty that they were just pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing. Now they knew that he had this epilepsy. And yes, so, yes. I mean, and they knew that, I mean, he'd have a seizure and they'd have to carry him off the stage. And when they would finally come off the stage, he'd be laying on a couch and it would just be like, he just woke up from sleeping and they would be like, Hey, what's going on? He, yeah. um, so it, they didn't really play it up. Like they, anybody was really that worried or anything. They, they show a few seizures in the movie, but apparently in real life, he was having them much more frequently to the yeah. point where he couldn't drive a car. Well, um, and, but they said that also one of the reasons that they that it became out of control was because of his, of his lifestyle. So I, mean, stopped, you know, I think he, I don't think he took his pills regularly because they made him feel like shit. Yeah. Um, well, it would suck, but you know, uh, I, I, the things that work for me in the movie, and I already, I already talked about the, I, I do like Sam Riley's, uh, performance, but Samantha Morton is really good in it. She plays Deborah Curtis and mm-hmm. there's a really great moment where she confronts him about Anik. Anik is his, his lady on the road, I guess she's a, what did they say? Belgian or yeah, she Bel- was Belgian some- journalist, uh, that he totally falls for. And she is still like, I mean, she, like she gives interviews in the documentary and everything. Um, they were, I, I think they were closer to than the movie lets on too. But, um, he, um, uh, I, I really like, you know, when she's getting confronting him about Anna, she gets in his face and she's like, She's wringing her dress with her hands and stuff while she's talking. Like mm-hmm. she's always, I, I think she's always very good. I like her a lot. Um, it's interesting, that, you know, in the movie, some of the studio work that they show them recording, it it, it doesn't sound quite right. But you know, when I, I when I first saw it, I was like, that doesn't really sound like Ian Curtis would sing or whatever. But mm-hmm. I think it was probably a good choice to show like two sides of the band because like, you know, I mentioned at the beginning, there were some people that would, that said the production on their albums was too big. Like it, it didn't match right. the, the feeling of their live show. Right. They're a band yeah. that you needed to see live and they, that he would almost be in a trance when he was on stage and that mm-hmm. he became that music and like that dancing that he did was it, it's it's like he was a, a almost like a puppet to the to the music. Yeah, yeah, you, you did get that feeling watching and, it though. And like he would be, and if you watch some of their live stuff, like he Sam Riley did a almost a perfect job showing like what he actually would do on stage. As far as like, I mean, his eyes would be closed a lot, or almost looked like they would roll back in his head. And I um, thought they the, in the movie, I thought that they sounded uh, or that his vocals sounded a lot like. Uh, Jim Morrison from the Doors, yeah, because you know, he kind of had a d- you know that deep, oh, you know, uh, I don't know. But they they should they said a few things about like didn't they say some things about them listening to the Doors or I can't remember. Maybe I'm thinking of something mm-hmm. else. There was something like that. Whatever, who cares? <laughs> I think <laughs> I said this episode. <laughs> I think I think I said that uh, the the one dude with the glasses was there. He's their, he was their manager. I think I said he was their producer. Um, yeah. Their their producer was this guy um, Martin Martin something. Borman. Um, Martin Hannett, and he came up with their like they kind of they showed it at one part, which I thought was really neat. The with the hairspray, uh-huh. 
which actually that, they do that in 24 hour party people also. And there's another interesting idea that that guy had with, uh, with the drums. Um, they couldn't get the drum sound right when they were recording. And in the, in 24 hour party people, they show it and they end up putting the drummer out on the roof with the door closed while they're right. recording them to get that weird, like 10 can like artificial sound. And they recorded that and he sampled it. So he was kind of, I mean, he kind of made that machine too. So they used that Martin, like Martin Hannett came up with that machine that emulated the drums and would, he, you know, that was kind of his invention. So that, 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 that shaped music a lot right there. So the, um, the name of the band, um, they only talk about it for a second, I think, but, the a joy division was actually like a brothel tent where the Nazi soldiers would, uh, I think uh, rape Jewish prisoners. Ugh. And, um, God, what a fucking, uh, they, they came up with the name because <laughs> what, well, all of them, we like to rape Jewish <laughs> women. Oh, well, all of their, all of it's their, boring. all of their fathers, uh, <laughs> served in world war two. So it was kind of, uh, they, they, they wanted the world war two thing as like homage to the, the fact that their dad, their dads were in the war and the, um, but they thought that the fact that it was like that crude thing, that it was very punk rock. Cause they wanted to be a punk rock band at first. So and that's a cool part in the movie too. When they're with the joy division song, no love, love lost is playing and he's walking down the street and he's got the word hate written on the back of his jacket as he's going to work, which was pretty cool. So, um, the, uh, that note that he leaves her at one point that no need to fight now. Give my love to Anik. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Say, ouch. Mm. Um, what a fucking jerk. But in the, the, uh, just, uh, well. the other thing I just really, I really appreciate about the movie is and the way Anton, Anton or Anton Corbin, the way it's not colored the way it's because it's black and white, but the way it's like the tones of the film, uh-huh. um, as a photographer, he's a very contrasty photographer. Like he, his, he's got heavy white, like you know, hot whites and very deep blacks. And he does this film the same way. It's very, it's a contrasty film. Um, almost any scene in it, I think, could be paused, and it would look like a good band photo. Yeah, I like that. It looked good. Yeah. This is his first. This was his first feature film. Um, and since, the, since he's done the American, which I think I mentioned last week. Uh, which is a great movie. So, and, but he's he's very good visually behind the camera, which helps my which helps my enjoyment of it too. So, um, I'm just a, a you know there's a there's another character there's another scene with a character unveiling a new a movie uh, I'm sorry a movie a uh, a new record in this one. So you get kind of like that double thing where you know Arthur un, un, unwrapping the Brian Slade record and you see Ian mm-hmm. Curtis doing the new Bowie album in this one. And he'll lock his door and sit in his room and listen to Bowie and stuff and jack off. There's a scene in it, and in the first time I saw this, I saw this in the theater. It drove me crazy because the song Two HB" by Roxy Music is in it, and it was so weird because I was like, when it came on, I was like, "What is that? What is that fucking song?" I could almost sing along with it. I didn't know where I'd heard it, and when I looked up the name of it, I was like, "I never heard of this song." It was because. Uh, Radiohead, Radiohead did a cover of it that I had known, uh-huh. and I never even realized it was a cover. I thought, I thought it was just like a throwaway B side or something. Uh, I, ne- I never even bothered looking for it. So, the uh, documentary is it under review. Joy Division under review? No, it's just called Joy Division from 2007. Well, there's one called Joy Division under review. 
on YouTube in like probably ten parts. I haven't, I haven't seen that one. I don't know how that is. So maybe you should watch and, um, it. And your perspective will be different. Uh, uh, Anton Corbin also <laughs> he also directed their video Atmosphere. This is this is a video made after the band after mm-hmm. the band was not a band anymore. But um, the band actually became huge after. He now died. these guys are probably how old now? Like in their mid forties. Um, let's see, eighty, maybe older. Twenty. They were twenty two, twenty three in nineteen eighty one or at nineteen eighty. Okay, they're low. God, they're probably fifty now. Yeah, I mean they're in their fifties, and they look. Because I look, was eighteen and eighty four, and I'm forty six. So they're probably. I mean, I think they're all in their fifties, but they became new order after this. After they broke up, and they they're like, you know, they said we didn't like we didn't ever think that there was anything other option than just to continue on. Yeah. And their first record actually kind of sounds almost like a Joy Division record, minus like it's not as, I guess, gothy themed. Yeah, but it still has a lot of the same things before it, it took to until their second album for them to break out and have their own sound, but they became huge. Like That's very, what I was going to say. Weren't they more, they became more famous and more popular than joy division ever was. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. But I mean, and, and they, well, they had a lot more time to do it. <laughs> to, yeah. You know, this is the, the, the rise and fall of joy division. Was, I mean, it's two years, you know, there's really only two albums. Um, so it's, I don't know. I like this because I like Joy Division so much, but I could I could see I could see your point too. But like, we can get into our ratings well, here. Do you want me to rate first? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, like the music, like the way it, the whole movie looked, and mm-hmm. the, you know, like you said, the kind of the black and white, uh, you know, uh, cinematography and everything. Um, Oh my gosh! I got six point five. It's as high as I can go. Okay, it's as high as I can go, man. Um, just and and that's just that's um. I think that it's a well done movie. Yeah. Uh, and like I said, I just um. Yeah, that's just. I mean, you, know, do you think we, you would rate talk- it? Do you think you would rate it lower if you knew it wasn't real? Like if you knew it wasn't based on on reality, I don't think that had anything to do with it because I don't really know anything about it. It okay. wasn't whether you know it was so it, real. Or, it could have been just been a character anyway. But I think that if I like I said I I if I if I watched the documentary and then listen to some more of their music and stuff like that and then go back and watch it, maybe I'll like it more. Okay, if that makes sense. But just going into it cold and everything, I just eh, check out. Um, I, I got very. I, I, I like I said. I I, 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 maybe I have expectations of what I should have felt. Okay. Because I would think that you know, with the subject matter and everything, you see movies. Whether you know movies about. Um, okay, this is a movie that you know. It's a maybe a bad example. I don't know, but like the movie The Rose, which was kind of based on the on Janis Joplin uh-huh. and Bette Midler and stuff. And you know, okay, because it's based on Janis Joplin that in in the end she's going to be end up dying and stuff like that. And you say you you feel bad, or even the Star Is Born or something like that. This person that they, they were this troubled soul and everything, and you know, when the, in the end you feel bad. And I just I don't know. I, I, I didn't feel that way, and I was kind of like, okay, well, you know, maybe that's the way it's supposed to be. I don't, I don't know. But we've talked about, we've talked it endlessly. But you know, like I said, Check. I will, uh, 
I also will watch ch- that also, documentary. And also, see also check out um, 24 Hour Party People, which is okay. as opposed to a Joy Division movie, it's more of it's more of Tony Wilson's story. Mm-hmm. And him well, and that's starting- that's it. like like uh, with with uh, Velvet Goldmine. Yeah. Like I said, if it would have just been nothing but John the John Reese Myers character, mm-hmm. I probably would have felt the exact same way. But but because they had the the Kurt Wilde character and you know the Christian Bale character, it kind of balances it out because this guy's an unlikable kind of a like I said pretentious kind of a tortured whatever. Maybe maybe this, I associate more with Ian Curtis. <laughs> <laughs> If you killed yourself, I would feel worse. You never know, though. Wouldn't that be weird? Because we live so far apart. Like, what if just next week you came on to record and I wasn't there? Like, how would you ever find out? That- I would be. I would be like, God fucking damn it! Where the hell is that dumb fucker at? I'm Jesus fucking Christ. swinging on a on a on a clothesline in my kitchen, and you. That would be the end of silver and gold. And nobody, nobody would never know why. No, nobody would care. We, only, we have like what 150 fucking. No, we have 150 Facebook uh, Facebook members, but probably about 23 listeners. <laughs> well, they, not in China. They're just, there, they're just there to see titties. There, well, I heard that we we we're put, huge in China. Yeah, we sell more uh, CDs in China <laughs> than any other pirated podcast. Um, I like I said, I'm biased about it. Um, because I like Joy Division as much as I do, I like this portrayal of the you know what was going on. Um, I give this a I give it a eight point two five out of ten. Um, this is another one I've seen multiple times. So this is this is a I I knew you know, from the word go. I mean that this is a, a movie that you have a special feeling for. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. It's great. And it's. It's good. it's very good for a first time movie, mm-hmm. and the fact yeah, that it's now, a first time yeah, movie- when you when you when it, looking at it that way, I mean that this is the first movie that this guy ever did. Fuck, I mean he did a great job. It's not the what, directing or anything like movie? that. It's not serious man. Um, a sing- single man. Sing- Shit. It's a movie with uh, a single man. I think that's Tony it. Tony Curtis. Tom Ford directed it. Yeah, Tony, a single man with Tony Curtis <laughs> and Colin Firth. Another these movies kind of remind me of each other. Tom Ford directed that one. That was also a first movie for him. He must have been a photographer or something because that is another mm-hmm. beautiful movie to look at. Yeah. Um, but it, 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 oh, okay. Of, I've seen the box art for that. I've never seen it's, it. Though. It's really good. So um, anyway, the. Um, First. The, the, the whole the whole story of Factory Records of Tony Wilson of Joy Division and everything is just intriguing to me. I, if I would like to see, I would like to have seen this story done by someone who had been in film for a little longer. I wonder if it would like some of the characterizations or some of the way the story was told would be different, which is only why I don't give it a higher score. I think so. I think I would have liked to have seen more from the other people. Uh, and their pers- have it show it, f- but but then I was going to say from the perspective of the other members of the band, but like you said, they were almost oblivious to what was going yeah. on. And so, they say well, that in the documentary, they don't know. So so what would they show? <laughs> you know, I don't know. <laughs> it's like oh, this. What's his name? Is he sleeping? I don't know. <laughs> Let's go out and party. And they didn't have as much of the. Um, you know, you watch The Doors and you see Jim Morrison going out and getting shit-faced drunk and people mm-hmm. doing drugs and stuff like that. I didn't 
you know, for guys. I mean, the uh, he the girl on the road was, uh, you know, I guess maybe at first kind of a groupie. No, she was a reporter though, wasn't she? Uh, yeah, it's for a, for like a fan magazine. But but I mean, you didn't get the the uh, behind the scenes party drunk drugs even that you got in velvet gold mine it's just these guys sitting around on a couch looking bored all the time farting <laughs> that was like the silver gold of a band what are we uh, going to do tonight i don't know i'm bored all right ringo um, <laughs> ringo so depressed fuck um, i'm so boring <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's take a break and uh, come back and do some musical feedback. How does that sound? It is definitely a shit break. <laughs> okay, we'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> I will be back. <laughs> okay, and welcome back to another episode of Guess That Riff. With me on the show tonight, my first contestant is Mr. Fred Nurk. Fred, are you ready to guess that riff? I sure am. Okay, here's riff number one. Ah, that's It's a Long Way to the Top by ACDC. Fantastic, Fred. Okay, here's riff number two. Hmm, that one is Eagle Rock by Daddy Cool. Fantastic, you're doing great, Fred. Now, this one's a tricky one. Guess riff number three. That one is I Walk the Line by Johnny Cash. Fantastic, Fred. How did you know all those riffs? Well, I listened to Love That Album podcast. That's fantastic. Really? Uh, no. That's what you told me to say, Dad. Max, shh. I told you never to call me Dad during the promo. Go to lovethatalbum.blogspot.com or type in Love That Album, or one word, into iTunes. Listen to Love That Album. It might turn you into a rock geek. Or you might just con your son into making pitiful promos for your podcast. Satellites gone up to the sky. Things like that drive me out of my mind. I watched it for a little while. I like to watch things on TV. I I really like that it was funny in in control when he worked at the uh, employment agency and the the down the kid with Down syndrome was there and he was saying what do you like to do he's like watch telly and eat and he's going to give him a job at the at the movie theater selling hot dogs he's like I hate hot dogs and he does a little like gun point (laughs) (laughs) why don't we try it anyway okay all right, time for some feedback. Woo-hoo. I love that fucking song. Um, let's get into it, shall we? All right. First, voice mail thing. There we go. All right. First voicemail thing. Thing. don't know where I'm going, but I sure know where I've been. 
hanging on the promises and the songs of yesterday. And I made up my mind, I ain't wasting no more time, but here I go again. Oh, here I go again. Though I keep searching for an answer, I never seem to find what I'm looking for. Oh, Lord, I pray you give me strength to carry on, cause I know what it means to walk along these lonely street dreams. This is the acoustic Go version. Unplugged. <laughs> like a drifter, I was born to walk alone, and I made up my mind. I ain't wasting no more time Just another heart in need of rescue Waiting on love, sweet charity And I'm gonna hold on for the rest of my days Cause I know what it means To walk along a lonely street of dreams Cause here I go again on my own Going down the only road I've ever known Like a drifter I was born to walk alone <laughs> And I made up my mind I ain't wasting no more time Fucking Here I go again Here I go again His voice is Here changing Here I go again Here I go again and I made up my mind. I ain't wasting no more time. Cause here I go again on my own. Going down the only road I've ever known. Like a drifter, I was born to walk alone. Cause I know what it means to walk along that lonely street of dreams. Here I go again on my own. <laughs> Going down the only road I've ever known Like a drifter I was born to walk alone And I made up my mind I ain't wasting no more time But here I go again Here I go again Here I go again Here I go again Nice! I thought the teleprompter was stuck. <laughs> good job, good job, pause. Mikey. The, the, awesome. <laughs> that was, might have been that was a great way to uh, be on the show the first time. I think that was Demise's first uh, first voicemail to Sylvan Go Daddy. Definitely not her first beer. <laughs> that was great. Good we the, job. Unplug version. Yeah. Just a little late for the contest, though. Yeah. Yeah. Well. You still might be able to win, considering nobody sends in their fucking addresses. So. <laughs> I still uh, got that fucking poster and all that shit sitting in there on the kitchen table. <laughs> it's got dust all over it and shite. All right. Here's another one. Another voicemail. But what are you creating a monster? <laughs> and they call him Stein. <laughs> Stein. And the tavern of the street is the laboratory where he makes a transformation all the time. <laughs> and a stein of Dr. Blood is just a part of Buster Blood. It does affect him different every time. 
But why's a Ukrainian a monster? And they call him Drinkenstein. And they call him Drinkenstein. Mikey again? Yes, hey, a goat. You motherfuckers. This is Sylvester Stallone. Oh. Um, it's not Sylvester What I want to fucking know is why you bastards haven't reviewed my musical film, Rhinestone. <laughs> it stars me, Sylvester Stallone, and I'm a fucking taxi driver who has to become a country western star, <laughs> and he's got Dolly Parton and her big fat titties. <laughs> you fucking love it, you guys. Uh, <laughs> Man, Mikey's on a roll this week. He fucking Jesus. He has a lot of time on his hands. <laughs> that was Chris. Uh, Chris B. Buh. Was wait was Chris one of the winners of the <laughs> karaoke contest that didn't send in his address? I don't know. I think he was. <laughs> ah, nice. Next voicemail. This is a long one. Guess who? Here we are on the 50th episode of Silver and Gold, and I, Damascus, Justin Umbrolter, wanted to do something special. Yeah. It's his birthday, too. I wanted to, Happy birthday. I promised a few episodes ago that maybe I just start sending in some karaoke every now and then and try not to half-ass it. But this is a special occasion. I don't want to half-ass it. I, and I am going to give, give it the whole song, ass. I am going to give my silver and gold rendition, but this time I've written it down. And the hole in the middle. Written out the lyrics, I've got everything set up. <clears throat> I, I'm doing this on an MP3. I'm not calling it. I'm, I'm sending in an email MP3 format. So hopefully I'll be able to actually attach the song itself, i.e. The, the music in the background, not the lyrics. I'll be the lyrics, yada, 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 yada. Because uh, I want this to be <clears throat> special. So I'm not half-assing this time. And if it comes out horrible... I at least gave it my best, okay? And the song that I will be singing a rendition of, I will be singing a rendition of Beth by Kiss. But this oh, time, Jesus. I've entitled it Loaf <laughs> by Justin Overholzer. <clears throat> <clears throat> Here we go. Yes. I think we created a monster. <laughs> Loaf's on his ship calling, but he can't podcast right now. He and the boys are playing <laughs> with some sluts downtown. <laughs> Just a few more hours, and he'll be right home for you. Just hold on in what can some do? You say you feel so empty that your wife just isn't the same. She's a fine lady, but some he is your flame. Just a few more hours. Just hold on in 
And I hope this really works out well. I hope I can get the music into the background. If not, actually, I don't really suck concerning there's a spot in there where I'm not even singing. So I'll do my best. <laughs> but Loaf, Zom, I'm proud of you guys making the 50 episodes. Uh, <gasps> uh, watermark, you know, a huge point in your career. Uh, we're reaching uh, the year milestone. Uh, I can't wait to be here to celebrate the gigantic 100th episode. And who knows, maybe one day, 1,000. Okay, probably not that much, but still. <laughs> keep up the good work, guys. And remember, Loaf, Sam hears you calling. He'll be home soon. <laughs> that was awesome. What? See, now that's that right there. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> he he some... fucking... He, he, he didn't half-ass it. He brought the whole ass. Whole ass. It was, that was good. That was, was awesome. Good stuff. Nice job, buddy. You're back, you're back in the fold now. And happy birthday. Happy birthday. Motherfucker! Freaking awesome network. Check it out. Next one. Another one? Yeah. David Bowie to Silver and Gold. <laughs> David Bowie to Silver and Gold. My earphones are in. My iPod is on. Can you hear me, Silver and Gold? <laughs> I don't know who that could have been. Mikey's frame uh, working on his accent. Next voicemail. I blow my load over at silver and gold. Loaf blows his load over at silver and gold. Zom blows his load. Zom blows victims in the basement over at silver and gold. That was Ringo Starr calling, everybody. <laughs> He's so bored. He had to sing a song. <laughs> uh, our resident Mank calling in. All right. A resident week. what? Uh, it, was, it was Paul from Manchester. Mank. Mank. Yes. Oh. Next voicemail. English, motherfucker. Do you speak it? I said, leave me alone. I'm a family man. <laughs> and my bike is much worse than my bike. 
Um, I don't know the rest of the words. I'm sorry, this is in really no connection to uh, any films that you're doing either, but episode 50, I thought I'd kind of, uh, you know, want to mark the occasion. I'm crap with voicemails, as you can see. I love you guys. You make me sick. Keep it up. Bernie Sticky loves you. Peace out, Bernie Sticky, motherfucker. Awesome. And another one. Barnard. Happy 50th, you magnificent bastards, from one of your few female, very, very few, I'm sure, female listeners. Congratulations. Bye. Demise again. Yeah. She knew she was going to get two on one show. They try to make her go to rehab. She won't go. Next voicemail. Congratulations on 50 episodes. You're my fucking. You fucking sons of bitches. You motherfuckers. Hey, this is Sammy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Congratulations <laughs> on 50 episodes. Uh, I don't think I've ever heard him get that excited. That was awesome. Or that I, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can still remember at Horror Hound Cincy. Doc told me that, uh, and when I say Doc, I mean Doc Zom. Uh, maybe I should just call him Zom. Doc sounds a little too, I don't know, distinguished um, for the type of vitriol this guy spews. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, I remember him saying, I think he was like four or five episodes in. Maybe you guys were six or seven episodes in at that point, And he was already sick of it. <laughs> so he was already, you know, because, you know, being a podcaster is a chore. And uh, it, it is a chore, but it's a chore that you really, if you get that vibe down, if you get it going. Uh, oh, I just saw a girl walk by that really short shorts on. Still so good. Mm. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Fuck this podcast. Uh, what? Yeah, but, what? What was I saying? Oh, yeah. Well, hang on. Looking in the rearview mirror real quick. Yeah, <laughs> yes. those are short. Anyway, uh, right back with you here. Uh, yeah, it, it is a little bit of a chore, but it's a chore that is so rewarding, ultimately. And, uh, you know, sharing your opinions on films, books, movies. Well, films and movies are the same fucking thing, aren't they? Titties, uh, vaginas, You know, all these felching. things. You know, it comes down to video games and Bleh. just opinions in general. Some like politics. Um, uh, whatever. That's what it's all about, man. And, uh, yeah, you guys are 50 episodes in. I've enjoyed every episode. Uh, really liked the last episode a lot. Totally agree with you with the uh, Wild Bunch moment. The moment in Wild Bunch where... The decision is made is like the pinnacle of decisions being made in cinema. Nice. And I know you've heard us talk about this lots of times on the CCTMC about what how what? you know characters make a choice and when they make Never that decision, you know this choice is made and how that that'll send chills up your spine when somebody stands up or keeps their word or something. <sighs> I'm so saying that I'm going to keep my word. God damn it. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to keep listening to Sylvan go, you motherfuckers. Yeah, I <laughs> I have no idea who that was. Is that Mikey? I don't know what the fuck. And next voice. What's, what, when does it start get re- getting rewarded? I'm sending a fax to tell you both how much I love you. I'm at work, so I can't sing. Oh. I'll look like a fool. Uh, my stomach's upset. I had too much uh, veal on a bun with hot peppers <laughs> and cheese and mushrooms, and I feel awful. So maybe it's appropriate that I'm calling you guys right now. Yes. Uh, I love you guys. Congrats on fifty. Uh, we got to do a group, uh, a group audio orgy, as it were, very soon. So keep going, guys. I love listening to you guys every week. Uh, all the burps, the farts, the titty talk. Uh, <laughs> That's more like it. The accents and everything else. All the best, guys. Bye. I don't know. Who that Thanks, Vish. 
<laughs> we love Vish. She's the best. I he is the best. I, Got the, I, I love his hair. I want to pull his hair. Um, <laughs> you want to pull it? Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> soft. I want to get it in my fingers. Um, awesome. That was great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all right. Well, I mean, it was all right. <laughs> well, you know, it is what it is. Um, it is what it is. <laughs> that is the big five zero, ladies and gentlemen. It's uh, a bit what? Let's. Uh, so next week <laughs> for five one. So is this our year? Do we call this the year show? Are we just going to do fifty? Or are we going to do like fifty two? Well, wouldn't yeah? Wouldn't fifty two be a year? Yeah, but. So how could fifty a, be a year? Fifty two is a weird number, though. I don't care. Fuck it. It's not like we did anything special for this one either. Um, no, we, did. we really didn't. I never even thought about it. <laughs> yeah, I didn't either. Anyway, uh, so next week we're going to do – I an- mean other than just bringing it the way we always do. Yeah, we're the best. Bring it, brother. Uh, we are going to do an ultimate warrior double Dang. feature. Um, I shit canned Robert Klaus last week, so of course next week we're going to do a Robert Klaus film called The Ultimate Warrior, starring Yul Brynner. Yul Brynner, me. And the other half of this Ultimate Warrior double feature will be a movie, a PM, a PM Entertainment <laughs> movie from 1993, uh, starring Chad McQueen, Gary Daniels, and wait for it, wait for it, the one and only. James Helwig, a.k.a. Warrior, a.k.a. The Ultimate Warrior. The Ultimate Warrior. Warrior. Firepower. Firepower from 1993, directed by somebody I've never heard of, Richard Pippin. So uh, should, be, should be an interesting uh, interesting mix there. Fucking, the cover is fucking amazing. Fucking Daniel's doing a split between two chairs and Ultimate Warrior dressed with a fucking fucking like spiked gauntlets, a cape, and feathered hair. Woo! Can only be magic. Steve McQueen is rolling over in his grave. Next, uh, you can always send us feet next week. That is next week. Um, always send us feedback. We appreciate all of it this week. 206-339-1600. I almost said 7090. I think that's OTC's number. Um, or send us a uh, send us a uh, voicemail. Or you can send us recordings or emails at uh, Silva. <laughs> SilvaGoldPodcast at gmail.com. Find us on iTunes or SilvaAndGold.com and join, hey. our, join our Facebook group, Facebook.com slash group slash Silva and Gold. Hmm. Dom, do you have anything else, sir? No, 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 I don't either. So until next week. This is Loaf. And this is Doctor. The Doc. Song. <laughs>